Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> All right. Everybody, welcome to the show. Today's guest is the owner of Blazer Multimedia. He's a podcaster and he's a founder of the Real Cannabis Entrepreneur Conference. Please welcome Gary George. What's hey, up, bud? Hey, hey, hey. What's up there, Ray? How are you, man? I'm doing fine. How you doing, bud? Oh, man, everything's beautiful, man. Besides the whole COVID thing, everything else is great, man. Yeah, I know. It's, this, is, this is getting scarier and scarier every day. I'll be, I'll be very honest with you. For real. For real, for real. So have you been working from home, like staying in the house, not going anywhere? Is that, is that what you've been doing? Well, I work from the home, period. So right. I'm used to this. It ain't, it's no adjustments for me because I, I, I've been working uh, – my home office ever since the early 2000s. Even when I had an office, I did. I work here more, so yeah. I'm used to it, man. Yeah, it's no biggie, man. Staying inside, I'm just banging out using the free time. No, yeah, that's absolutely true. And have have you ventured to the supermarket and done those kind of things as well? I did, man. I yeah. went. To, I braved the rapids to Costco two weeks ago. It was crazy. Shelves were completely empty. Went to Walmart. Couldn't get the water. I searched for water for five days. Oh man. my lord. But, yeah, before I finally found some, it was crazy, man. Well, I so, think it's, I yeah. think it's gotten a lot. But I think this. I went to BJ's a couple of days ago. I think the supply chain has uh, caught up. At least water wise, it's caught up for right. sure because they yeah. had tons and tons of water. Still, nobody has toilet paper. But I, I was lucky because right before this whole thing happened, we had bought a case of toilet paper. So we're, I think we're we're all right. Yeah, I yeah. think we're, we're all right. We're all right for now. So, so right. I, I've been. I was realizing this when I was waiting for you to call to do the to call call me back in. Um, you have been. I have known you for over twenty years. I know, right? Isn't that crazy? Is that insane? When you, I just thought about that too, because I was just saying, you know, I had my home office. That was when we first started working together. That was yeah. 2000 when I built my home office. It was 2000, I think it was either 2000 or 2001. Yeah. And that's 2000, when, yeah. that's when Blaze Bail Bond started and you started Blazing Multimedia. Yep. We were, yep. We came up at the same time. Damn. You it, see how time flies, Ray? Yeah. It's Crazy, getting old, man. getting older and older. My <laughs> Lord. But so, so when you started, so, all right. So I, I like to, and I try to point this out before we start ram, we start rambling on into craziness that the focus of the show a little bit is being an entrepreneur. And, mm-hmm. you know, I try to kind of keep it to be an entrepreneur and then it ends up we end up talking about i've had guests talk about the yankees we've talked about real estate we talk a lot about real estate hockey music and a lot of the guys i i find people who are entrepreneurial and everything um one of my guests danny coleman you know he has a radio show he has a whole bunch of other things that's an entrepreneur you got to hustle you got to get it you know you got to get real. it done um uh loretta who was on the show she's a, a huge real estate agent in philadelphia area you got to hustle every day so everybody entrepreneurial spirit what made you start well first of all you own blazer multimedia what what exactly is blazer multimedia well blazer multimedia is a digital marketing agency um and we provide online marketing services pay-per-click seo uh social media running ads video email all that good stuff we do everything to help companies grow their companies larger so we're marketing focused but we do a bit of everything on the creative side as well as you know from that's where we started from the creative and moved over to the marketing as the internet marketing first took off. I remember, and I tell this story about you guys all the time, right? right. When I was telling y'all about pay-per-click, this is before the word was even invented. That's true. That's was, very true. About, and I was trying to convince y'all to do 
to come online and do pay-per-click ads. And y'all were like, nah, man, Yellow Pages, we're killing it, man. Like, we don't we don't have a need to go over there. And we, I was trying to convince y'all for the longest. And we were spending $100,000 a year or more on Yellow Page ads. Man, y'all were swamping it back then. Yeah. Y'all had it on smash. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah, you did. You did. But I remember, I tell the story back then. I remember trying to get you guys on. Back then, those clicks for bail bonds were like two cents, three yeah. cents. Yeah, by I the, remember. By the time I years went on, this was everybody. It wasn't just you, though. It was everybody. Because everybody was like, the internet was so new. And mm-hmm. everybody was still on the same rigmarole. And then finally, a couple years in, I said, yo, let's do it. Let's do it. I finally got you guys to come in. I think the clicks were already up to like three, four dollars a click by that time. And that still worth it when you, you know, when you do 20 clicks and if you can close, you know, you, get, you know, say you do 10 of them and you have, a, right. you know, you close a couple of bales out of that. You're mm-hmm. you're a champion. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you only need one. You only really. need one, you, you know, only need one. And, yeah. and we started doing more and more, and this is in the infancy, and I still remember our first website. So, I mean, this was in the infancy of doing this. Now you can, you know, to me, it was all, we. I stopped doing bail bonds when Facebook really started becoming prevalent. So that'll tell you kind of like how I saw all of this technology kind of happening. And I thought it was, I thought it was all very interesting, but I, I, mm-hmm. I didn't realize, I, I knew that, it would grow because it had to, right. it only, it only made sense. Um, Eric was significantly more um, tech savvy than I was. And you have to look at where you want to put your dollars when we had the full right. page. Ad, so we were paying you to design the ads. Then we yep. were, we had uh, Mike Esposito was the guy's name. He was our phone book rep. We were, I still like, talk to Mike. I talked to Mike a few years ago, man. He's a good dude, man. He, I, he's, <laughs> he just friended me on LinkedIn probably six months ago. And he's somebody to get on the podcast too. He's a real smart guy. He's a, um, knows a lot about marketing and we, we were, cause we had it on lock. We were just writing so much bail. It was like, well, why, why change anything? Right. But then I think eventually you got us, you got us to a point where you were like, look, your competitors are going to start doing this. And you need that. I think you had that vision where I, I did not, I was just looking at bail bonds. I was not looking, you know, yeah. And at that time you didn't have a reason to, you were right. <laughs> you yeah. guys were raking it in, man. It was like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You exactly. Know? Exactly. Yeah. And and that's kind of where we were. And then, but you've dev- like, you didn't just have granted we were, we were, you know, an awesome client and I'm sure you were just like, Oh my God, thank God we got to deal with blaze bail bonds. But you had, sure. you, yeah, right. You've had, <laughs> you've had great clients though over the years. So you, you work, you'll work for, I don't want to say anybody, but you'll work for anybody who's a, a a business owner. You'll work for people who are um, in entertainment. So you 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 yep. run the gamut, right? Yeah, pretty much, man. I was working in all those different industries, and in the beginning, of course, as you're a new business, you got to kind of take what comes. Right. You can't be a selective in the in the beginning. So I was uh, just stretching my legs out and working in all these different industries. Now I had came from the music industry right so my background i already had all those connections in the music side so i knew i was going to utilize that in my business that was really what launched my entire business was my music industry um stint and you know i don't even think i ever told you this ray but yeah that's where i came out when i came out of uh, school and went to salem right i came back up here and i had to do an internship right and at that time i was in the music so i was rapping i was in this group we used to fly back and forth come up here make records do all this stuff and anyway we all the studio i would go to i said hey man listen 
I really like the studio and I'm a mass communication major. I'm a computer science. I would love to, I want to do music. I, I mean, I want to be uh, an engineer. Can you guys have any internships? So they said, no, no, we don't have any internships. You know, just call us when you get out. When you get out, maybe we'll have something there. Right. And they were like, most of the time they would hire guys that came straight from engineering school. Mm-hmm. And I was the only one who didn't come from engineering school. Make a long story short, I kept pestering them until they said, this guy's persistent, man. Give him a job. And they came in. They let me intern there at D&D Studios. And back then, that was the biggest hip-hop studio uh, in New York. That was DJ Premier, Guru, all those guys, man. And I did so many records. I recorded my discography. I just lucked up into this. I never intended to really be an engineer. I went there to really make connections in the music industry because I knew I wanted to do some type of business in the music. Right. And um, when I did that, uh, it just kind of took off, man. And I wind up becoming an engineer. I, be, I wind up becoming the fastest guy to go from intern to assistant engineer and wow. engineer uh, there who had never been to engineering school. So everybody used to be like, how the hell are you doing this? And my secret was I used to just read all the freaking manuals. That's what I'm doing. Well, you know, you need to have, and, yeah. and you need to have this, you had determination. Everybody was telling mm-hmm. you no. So you, you had to force the issue. You had to be like pestering these guys and pestering them and trying to make them hire you or give you an internship. You needed to have that dogged determination. And then not only yep. did you get the internship, then you got, you worked your way quickly up the ranks. You were able to do that, but then you took all of that with you. And you started blazing multimedia. So you took that same determination and you're like, and it's usually the determination of if I don't do this, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to be able to pay my bills. I'm not going to be able to, to that, that's what happened with me with bail bonds. Where I was like, if I don't right. do this and it's the same thing now with cornerstone property and realty services with the construction company, if I don't do this, if I don't make this happen, I'm not gonna be able to pay my right. bills. You know, right. I, I, I'm going to live in my car or whatever I'm going to end up doing. And you really need to be able to do the, to have that dogged determination. You, you obviously had that because you went from coming right out of school all the way through the engineering. And then, so one day you just said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to start blazing. Like what made you say, I'm going to do blazer multimedia. Well, after that, I was working in the, in the industry and I had gotten pretty good. So I started working with all the big names. So I did Jay-Z, Kicking the door, ten cracker mammoths with big. I did uh, unreasonable doubt. I did a bunch of joints on there. Um, Mary J. Blige, Funkmaster Flex. Wow. Uh, uh, Black Moon. I did all of their stuff. Uh, Guru Premier. I did a lot with them. So you were the engineer. Uh, guys, you were the engineer on these on these songs or on with, with these yeah, groups. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Holy yep. Cow. Yep. I recorded. Uh, I recorded a lot of those songs. Mop songs. I recorded a lot. A lot of people's songs. Man. Dict. So it was good. And I got all this great, you know, I had all these guys who were my friends now. And um, and I said, wow, you know, I really didn't come here to be an engineer. I knew that I was always going to be an entrepreneur since I was a little kid. I had right. businesses since I was like 12. Right. One of my first businesses was a mail order business that I started when I was like 12. And I used to go to the library and I used to get these um, these these catalogs that would teach you how to get grants um, for different things and stuff like that. Remember the guy used to come on TV late night, he used to wear the jacket, he had a whole bunch of question marks on his oh, yeah, jacket. Yeah, yeah. He used to be like, hey, I'm the da-da-da-da-da, right? I you get a grant. Yeah, you get a grant. His name was Matthew Lesko, right? He used to go get his books. I would take his books, I would extract uh, certain parts of them, and I would make uh, go to Kinko's back then, make copies, and I would run ads in like the National Enquirer and all those other. Oh my stuff. God! And I would ship out these ship out these pieces of paper that I went to Kinko's, put it together, and then I would copy them and just send them in the mail. So it cost me like twenty back then. It was like twenty cents to send it, 
cost me like a dollar to copy it. And I was selling them for like 19, 15, you know, so I was, man, I was doing, I was loving it. That's when I got the bug and I said, you know what? I'm definitely going to be an entrepreneur. This is for me. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's, that's, so you literally, since you were a little kid, see, mm-hmm. my situation was I just had somebody piss me off to the point where I was like, listen, like, I'm just going to be able to do that. I'm going to go do this on my own. And that, that's kind of, kind of what, what kind of pushed me into, and ever since I've been an entrepreneur, I haven't been able to, to stop. Like I, I did go to work for somebody else for a while, but it was almost like mm. a way to learn what I'm doing now. And I needed the right. money, but I also learned what I, what the job that I have now, the business that I have now. And then I went out and I started and I started that business. So it's amazing. Then, so you, you were an entrepreneur, then you did all these other things. And then you said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to take my connections and I'm going to parlay those connections into blaze and multimedia. Yep. 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 So before I forget this one part, this is a really funny, ironic thing. And the reason I wanted to tell that story about when I was 12 and I had that business, as, when I started Blaze Multimedia, and I'm going to skip back to my music and get into this, but after I started the company, guy called me one day, a client, and he says, I need to redo my website. And um, I sent him some stuff. He called me back and said, I like your work. I want to work with you. Blah, 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 blah. We started talking. He started telling me what he did. I was like, wow, that sounds very interesting. You're in the information business. You get information, blah, 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 blah. I said, what's your name? He says, uh, I'm Matthew Lesko. Oh, Wow. I said, what? He says, I'm Matthew Lesko. He said, you ever watch the commercials at night? I'm the guy with this. I said, you got to be kidding me. I said, this is Matthew Lesko. He said, yes. We started cracking up. I said, listen, man, I don't care what any quote anybody else gave you. I owe you. I've got to do this job for you. You don't know what you did for me. Now it's coming around 360. He became a client of mine, man. I got a great testimonial. He came to the office and everything. Wow. Yeah. That's an incredible story. (laughs) <laughs> yeah that is a really cool story yep. you went from th- this was your mentor and then right. you ended up working together oh wow that's yep. awesome never, that never is awesome guy just random random he called saw i like the work came in he said hey i want to build this app it's when apps start taking off and i was working with him and, and i didn't realize how much of an academic you know he goes and man they have him he lectures at harvard and wow all these big places because he was a pioneer in the marketing industry that we never really thought about. You know, he had mastered something well before social media and all these other types of ways of attracting right. eyeballs and being different. He did the Geico. My Geico's emulating him. You That's know what amazing. I'm saying? It's That's amazing. Being different. Yeah, Matt's no joke, man. Smart guy. I was really um, glad and blessed that I worked with him. But I just want to say that before I jump back into music. Right. No, that's great. That's great. And and it's awesome that you can, that you had been able to build a relationship with him too, because he was, he, he was ended up being your mentor. I was talking on one of my past shows. Sometimes you, you'll have a mentor. The person doesn't, in this case, he was on TV. He had no idea he was mentoring you, but I've worked for people and they've been my mentor. And you're like, mm. wow, you know what I mean? Like, I just learned a right. lot from him. He doesn't even realize he is my mentor, but I just learned right. so much from him that, you know, now I can really, you know, um, uh, I can move forward with what I'm doing. And, and I learned a lot. And you, you, sometimes you just run into that, that kind of person. In your case, he was a late night TV guy that, mm-hmm. you know, kind of brought you to the, you know, he made you an entrepreneur. And yeah, it, because he was a marketing genius and you followed what he was, what he was doing. There's a lot of people out there that sell a lot of courses. I don't think he did that though, right? He he 
he wasn't like one he of these. The book. He just that was it, right? So he wasn't like, yeah. hey, I'm, I'm I made a course on how to buy real estate, I had to do whatever. Uh, he was later not that on, guy. Yeah, he got into a, he got into a bit of that later on, but his mo was his his books and he was doing trainings, and then like I said, he's pretty well sought after. Um, you know, in academia world, man, because right. of his, uh, they study him, man, because he, 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 you know, he, um, he was a, he was a, a pioneer in a lot of, sure. the, um, you know, stuff that we're seeing, uh, advertising wise. So that was cool, man. Definitely dope thing, man. I but never knew that story. To, yeah, man. I got a lot of them. Man. That's, that's, <laughs> that's that? awesome. Did you now, when, when you launched Blazer Multimedia, though, like you came, I remember you came, I don't know how you came to us. If you just were like knocking on bail bonds doors and that was like a, nah, a target. Somebody introduced me to y'all. I forgot who it was. I don't remember. Man. Yeah. I forgot who it was too, man. And the timing I owed, was. I owed him a beer, whoever the hell they were. <laughs> right. And the timing was perfect because we, we were, we didn't know what we were doing with that at all. And it's just like any other entrepreneurial thing where if you're not good at something, Find somebody who is, you know, right. I, I'm not a right. great operations guy by any, I'm okay. Like if I had to run the dailies of a company, I could do it, but you go out mm -hmm. and find someone who, who can do that. And in the case with you, we didn't know what we were doing with, with phone book advertising or, or, or drawing or, or the art, the art aspect of mm -hmm. or anything. I mean, Mike's like, like, look, you guys got to run ads. We're like, all right, you know, let's, let's run ads. And then you're like, well, I'll do the art for the ads and, and some other things as well, too. You did the whole, like, everything about Blaze Bail Bonds. Yeah, man. You guys entrusted me with everything, yeah. man. And I appreciated that because I, I needed it then because I was fresh out the box. Yep. You know, I was getting into my swing of this new thing and I was having fun with it. And um, and that was a, 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 we just did a lot. Man, another story I'll tell you, too, Ray, about Blaze, how y'all turned me on or something. Right. What's that? You guys trusted me to do your awning. Remember that? Yes, yes, Blaise yes. Awning. I had never done a sign or anything like that before. I had done vehicle wraps and other stuff like that. But I never did a sign like on a physical right, building. Right. So I was like, oh, man, damn, I never really did this. So I was kind of intimidated. But I was like, oh, hell no, I'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah, I can do it for y'all. I'm going to figure it out. So I went out, figured it all out, talked to all the sign guys, learned all the lingo, got the best deals, sourced the materials, did the design, all that stuff. Got that with the lighting, made sure the electric was right and all of that. Yeah. So after that, I was like, damn, this ain't that bad. You know, I, it wasn't as hard as I um, as I thought. Right. Anyway, a few years later, I go out and I get turned on to this uh, bid to redo all of North Public Schools signage. Wow. All the charter schools and everything. Wow. I win the bid, bro. I oh won God. that bid. Yes. And man... It was a quarter million dollar contract. I did. We did all the schools, all the charter, all of the uh, charter schools in, in Newark. They, you know, they rebrand them like it's arts and arts right. and sciences. And That's this awesome. And that. Yeah, and we did all. We worked with all the principals when they were rebuilding the schools, and we made sure that we carried their vision through and all that, man. So we wound up doing some real high end, next level signs, and they're all still up, man. And that all came from. From Blaze, man, starting me up into the sign game. See, you know? and then you started doing signs. And you had no, see, I, I looked at you and probably my thought process was, and this is 20 years ago, but by my thought process was, he's a good artist. He he understands the marketing of this. Give him everything. And if he says, hey, you guys need to, we used to do a lot of pens. That was like a big right, thing. Yeah. And the awnings were very big. It was, it was, it was very click. 
You know, like now, like click, yeah. it was like very brick and mortar. It wasn't as, as, as click. I'm sorry. So it wasn't, because the internet was just kind of like coming around, you know what I mean? Where people were like, Hey, exactly. wait a minute. You know what I mean? So we were people still, were still like, I it was like, I ain't put my credit card, the internet, put my credit card. That yeah. What are you crazy? <laughs> now that I got that shit saved on my phone so I can buy stuff faster. <laughs> it's amazing how it turns around. Right. So, For so real. I was laughing because I, 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 when we were going through that transition, you know, my thought process probably at that time was this guy knows what he's doing. Like, just give him everything. You know what I mean? So we can go out mm-hmm. and we can open up more offices and that's, that's something to take away from this too, where in my, in my business now I have a uh, Kristen who runs the daily operations at a company that frees me up to listen. We've gotten jobs off a of podcast. I've gone out and done speaking about how to hire a contractor. If you're like my target for my company is I, I only want to work for people who own investment properties. Now, if you call me up right. and you said, Hey, Ray, come up and you know, remodel my bathroom. I'd be happy to do it for you. But yeah, m- my goal would be, you know, my goal is I want to like you own 20 rental properties. I don't want to do your property mm-hmm. management, but I want to do all your maintenance. So I want to replace right. the toilets. I want it when somebody moves out, I want to paint the units. I want to do these unit turns. And, and, and that was my focus. And I've gone out and spoke about that and I've gotten jobs that way. So by having mm-hmm. other people in your life that they free you up to do, you know, to do other things. So in the bail bonds, I was always like, what's another state that we can go in or where's another area in that state? We were like, for one point in time, we were like the biggest writer of bails in Delaware. It was like the strangest mm. thing. It was like we had, um, yeah, we had like three or four offices in Delaware. Well, we had nine offices. Yeah, it was crazy. We had nine offices in Jersey. We had like three and three guys in Delaware we had mm. one in, in, we had a couple in Pennsylvania and we were always thinking, we had one in New York and we were always thinking like, what could we, what's, where's the next spot? And bail was a little different because it was highly, highly regulated. So there were some states where you had to like live in the state for a year or you had to do like all these different things. And, right. and obviously we, you know, we, we weren't doing that, but that's how to, that's how I always thought was surround yourself with people who are very, very good at, things that you're not good at. Yeah. Yeah. You got, you have mastered that. You guys definitely mastered that Ray. And I still to this day, give y'all props. And when I do my talks, cause I speak all over, you know, on stages now. And right. I still, I tell this story sometimes when I'm talking about you guys that I say, man, what I saw the difference, my, the, the, I, the, um, the advantage I have as a marketing agency is I get to work with all different types of companies and all different types of industries, like right. you said, right? Simultaneously. So I get to see in the inner workings. And when you're doing marketing, I got to know everything about you. You can't sure. hold no secrets or else I can't make you the most money. We can't make the most money. So they have to tell me everything. So we have to get down to the nitty gritty and we're all working together to make things better. But what that does is give me some divine insight on what really makes great businesses become great versus sure. businesses that are mediocre and those that really don't make it. And the difference that you guys showed me early in when I, before I knew any of that was that you guys never stopped. You kept going. You y'all put everything, every cent that you, that you pulled back, you reinvested into yep. your marketing strategy. Yeah. That was the reason why y'all killed everybody. Y'all was smothering everybody because you were double or tripling down while most of them were taking the money, spending it, doing stuff. You guys were reinvesting. We always going, laugh. Hey, yo, we because, need more shirts. We yeah, need more of this. Exactly. You know, the what first, else can we do? The yeah. first three or four months that a, that a, a 
a bail bond company was in business, you could see, you'll see the guy, like he's driving a Mercedes or he has a BMW, you know, can, and the guy's just, you know, he's making money. But then the, the two things happen. The, the first forfeitures come in. So the guy has to start bounty hunting and that's taken away from him writing bail. And, mm-hmm. and they're not spending money. They're not reinvesting their money back into their company. And you have to be able to do that. What, but we, we were, we were very revolutionary in bail bonds where we took an industry that was like a mom and pop kind of industry. And there were other guys doing this too, but we were really doing it in New Jersey and we turned it into like almost like Walmart, you know, where mm-hmm. eventually it got to a point where um, every file had like a barcode. So we weren't even looking guys up. We were looking up the guy's name. Oh, the guy's name is, you know, Steve Smith. Well, if you want his file, here's his barcode. And it's in this part of, because at one point we had a warehouse that had like 15 or 20,000 files in it because everything was paper generated and we had to come up with systems. So we came up with these systems, like, you know, giving everybody a barcode and doing those kind of things. Wow. And, and that's what we really, we really needed to do. And we were in reinvesting our money into marketing. We were reinvesting our money into right. systems. And then the state came in and pretty much got rid of bail bonds. And there's a lot more to the <laughs> right. story than that. And I don't know if it's, for us, we had a very high rate of people going to court because we did a lot of things to make sure they went to court. But I don't think everybody did that. And I think some bad yeah. actors, you know, hurt that hurt that industry. But when you started, yeah, so you, when you started Blazing Multiples, you, you see what's interesting. Now I'm thinking about the sign story. You took something that you didn't know. You learned it. You educated yourself on it. And then you went out and you did it. Yep. You know what I mean? You said, not only am I going to do like one sign for like the bodega down the street, I think I'm going to go do, I'm going to go do Newark public schools. Right. And that's what it's always, it's always about taking that step that you're scared of. And I learned this from my buddy who's an engineer at D&D Studios. When I told you I came out of school, I was 20 years old. It's my guy who recorded Black Moon's album. I love Black Moon's album. And that album was pumping back then, right? It was the best album. Anyway. I got to D&D after I was a fan of Black Moon. I got there and got to know them, and I got to meet the engineer who had engineered that album, the record. And I was like, yo. And after I learned engineering, I realized that it was mixed all sonically incorrect. And I was like, it was all bass heavy. The chives were all low. And, you know, you didn't know that as not being an engineer. But after I got to be an engineer, I went to ask him. His name is Swift. And I said, Swift, what's up, man? I was like, yo, what's up? And he told me a story of how he got started. He said, listen, man, when I first got my start, that's how I got in the door. I learned a little bit. And then they asked me, I went to a bigger place. They said, hey, can you do it? He said, yep, I can do it. I'm going to figure it out. And so yeah, he figured it. it out on the fly, recorded their album, messed a bit of the uh, the sound up, but it worked to their benefit. That album became a classic because of the way that he actually mistakenly mixed that record. See? It became a legend classic bro so never be scared of the challenge that's what he told me look anybody ask you can do it say yep that was the same thing i told you i was nervous about doing that honor for you guys say can you do it yep i can do it i'm gonna figure it out yeah (laughs) that's what i did with the with the construction company when the when the when the bail bonds were done i had i started the first cornerstone first iteration of Quarterstone. I didn't know what I was doing. I went out and I was doing uh, property preservation work, which is working on bank foreclosed homes. So it's like the easiest stuff. It's like throw the garbage out, clean the house, put on a handrail, hang up a smoke detector. 
all really easy stuff. And then I learned from there and they said, oh, can you trim these trees? Yes. Can you trim these bushes? Sure. Um, you know, can you uh, fix this floor? Okay. And then I started doing more and more. Then I went to work for somebody and I really learned over the course of the three years that I was working for these two other companies. I really learned a lot from those guys. Um, then there's no like secret behind it. It was just one company really didn't do well at all. And I learned kind of like almost like what not to do. And then the other company did right. really well, but I had nowhere to no room in the company to do anything more than what I was doing. And it became time to be an entrepreneur again. And I left with, you know, some skills and I, I had to teach myself how to, how to do it. Now I have, a, you know, guys out there, but if I have to throw down with the hammer or if I got to paint some walls, like I'm not the best painter, but I'll tell you this, uh, I, I can paint, you know, I could, I could put a toilet, <laughs> right. I could put a toilet in, I could tell you that, you know what I mean? So, uh, cause it's not going to stop the company or slow down the company. And those are the things that I've been that, that you have to be able to do and you have to be determined to do it. You can't say, and I think it's Richard Branson, the guy who owns Virgin, Virgin Atlantic, he says the exact right. same thing. He says, never say no, just say yes. You know, of course there's going to be yep. things where people are like, uh, you know, are you a electrical engineer? No. I mean, like mm. be serious, but if they're, right, like, right. they're like, um, you know, Hey, can you move this, uh, package? Not this package. I was like, we're drug dealers now, you know, <laughs> Hey, can you, can, right. You can't do that. You can't move right. packages, but Hey, can you, can, you know, can you paint, could you paint this house? You're going to figure out how to do it. You're going to watch. For real. We had a guy working with us. Um, his name was Nang. And one day his car can, he, his car broke down and it was the radiator. Right. And he said, uh -huh. he said, man, I, I want to get this radiator fixed. It's like 800 bucks. So <laughs> he goes, I'm going to watch a YouTube video. And if I buy the radiator, the radiator only, and the hose is everything all in is like under $200. And I'm going to do it myself. Uh -huh. I said, okay. I said, we know worst case scenario, it doesn't work. Best case scenario, right. you learn how to put a radiator and give it a shot, right? Well, <laughs> right. The guy did it. And the guy's like, wait a minute, I, I, I could, I just saved $600 by watching YouTube mm. videos. Trust me, mm -hmm. there's a YouTube video out there that's going to show you how you should paint this wall. If you really, For real. I, Idaho painter, I don't know if you ever heard of him. That guy can paint anything. He's like <laughs> the best painter out there. I've watched him countless times. It would get to be a better painter. But those right. are the things that, you know, don't say no, um, uh, unless it's something that's unsafe or crazy and be right. determined. So you have to wake up when you're an entrepreneur, you have to wake up every day determined. You have to create money. You have to create your opportunities. There's, you can't be like, oh man, not today. I just. I just don't feel like it, you know, cause as soon as you do that, right. you know, you're, 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 you're screwed. So blazing multimedia exactly. keeps on growing. Keeps and, on growing, man. Right. We, we're not stopping, Brian. And, and, uh, and, um, Oh, where was I when in my story? Oh, I said, I was working at D and D doing all the right. recording. Right. That's when you asked me how I got out of there and I got into blaze. Oh, right, right, right. That was about four years in. I was 20 years old. I worked it. So I was about 23, 24, something like that. And, working at a whole bunch of other studios, Sony, Quad, right. all the ones in the city, Chungking. I was recording all over the place. So anyway, at that time, I'm 20 years old. Remember, I had two kids. I'm my first kid at eight, 17. Oh, boy. First kid at 17. I had second one at 18. So I had two kids at this time, two small ones. I'm working at night mm -hmm. because, again, I'm in the studio in New York. So I'm working there. I had two jobs. I would work out here. I would do telecommunications in the day. Sit there, call on the phones. I bang my four hours. Get on the bus, go to New York, um, 
And I would wait in New York to go to work at night. So when I was waiting, I would go to the New York library because I used to love libraries. This is a this is also a re- how I started some of what I was doing at Blazing. Right. I knew that the New York library had these um, directories of business directories. Back then, we didn't have the internet, right? So these were the the directories that used to be like ten thousand dollars yeah, to I get a that. list. Yeah. yeah, it was crazy. It was this one called a Red Book. It was like ten G. But New York library was the only one that had it. So I would go there. And just write down all kinds of information, all business contacts, this, that, blah, blah, blah. I would spend my time doing that during the day. And I was also selling clothes at the time. So I would go downtown. I would get the clothes, go to the library, then go to my job at night, which was working in a studio. I get off there sometimes like two, three in the morning. Sometimes the last train would be like two. Sometimes I make it. Sometimes I don't. If right. I don't, I have to sleep a couple hours and get up and run. So anyway, I got tired of that. And I said, damn, my kids are young. My wife was um also like damn you up there working with all of these you know back then that was the video right. vixen days and it sure. was crazy sure you know and i was like oh man I see she put like, the stop to that she put the stop yeah. to that immediately <laughs> i mean she was cool with it she was okay but it was like it was a lot of that and i was always gone and then right. i would be on reverse schedule so i'm sleeping a day while she's awake and then i'm you know that never works so it, yeah it, yeah it got taxed and then after that i was like listen I, I'm getting too comfortable. I'm getting too complacent. I knew I didn't come here to be an engineer. I need to stay focused on what my mission was. Make these connections and utilize these connections to get to the next level. So I said, okay, boom, now it's my time. Let me think of a way I can utilize all these guys because I know them. I'm friends with them now. I go around with them. I travel to other countries in their mom's house. I see things nobody else sees. So mm-hmm. anyway, I would go on the road and do sound for some of these guys. And I would go overseas, go over here, do sound, guru, all these guys. And then I would come back and all my boys would come to the house and surround me in a circle pretty much and say, tell us all the stories. Oh, tell boy. us what happened. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, so you were on tour was, and you're like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it was a lot of crazy stuff. I had so many stories. So it would be fun for me to tell it because it was fresh in my mind. And it was some of the funnest, craziest stuff. You know, you live in a rock style lifestyle. So I'm telling them. And anyway, I said, second time I did this, I came back. I said, you guys are really, really interested in this. You guys are like really waiting for me to come back and tell y'all this. You said, I said, you know what I'm gonna do? Next time I go on the road, I'm gonna take my camera with me. I'm That's take awesome. my video camera. Yeah. You know? awesome. I took my camera with me and I started filming all the behind the scenes videos. This was well before all of the stuff when people were doing that in the hip hop industry and all that. And I was going to their mom's crib and talking to them and going to all of their shows and getting them before they get on stage and after they get on stage, interviewing them, all of that. And basically what I did is I turned that into a television show called Hip Hop Raw TV. That's when I made my exit from that industry wow. and I utilized my connections to start my television show. And uh, we started here in a public access channel in Piscataway called PCTC. Wow. And we had like 5,000 viewers here, whatever. And then after that, I grew it out. At the end of the rainbow, I uh, make a long story short, about two years later, we uh, uh, we were up to about 1.5 million households. We were in three different states. We were all over the place and that wow. kind of thing. I was getting sponsors and all that kind of thing. And that was the light bulb moment for me to say, okay, this is great. You utilize your music and all this other thing, but now we got to go to the next thing. Now you're getting established relationships with a lot of other business owners and a lot of other things because they were sponsoring the show. I said, Smart. what else can I sell them? Yep. What else can I sell them? And that's when I went back into what I was always into, um, computers, because uh, my father was a computer engineer and I, I was born and bred for it. So I was always into technology. 
And uh, and I just started offering those services because I was dealing with a lot with the record labels. I was dealing with the business owners. The record labels needed a lot of work. They needed the. That's when vehicle wraps first came out. We started doing the building. I, I remember that. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We were doing album artwork, and I was doing all that. And that's when the internet first kicked off. So then I started doing. Back then, it wasn't even websites. They were called electronic press kits. We used to really? do these called things called EPKs. Yeah, for the music industry guys. And it would be like a video that would tell their story. It was kind of like how MTV and all of that is now where you're interviewing them artists and you see them and they got a clip of them. Like what I'm talking about while I was filming when I was on with them on the road. Like you'll see the artist behind, behind the stage and you see them on the stage and they're talking to them. It was, it, that hadn't happened yet. And that, wow. you know, yeah. It, and that and this was, this was occurring and I was creating it at the same time and participating. But, um, yeah, man, good, good times, man. Good times. And man. you always were able to look at things, say what you are is a visionary. You're able to look at things and you're able to say, what more can I do with this? All right. I got this up to 1.5 million viewers. Okay. That's fine. Now I have a network of all these advertisers and all these other guys. Let me build on that. What's the next thing that I mm -hmm. can do to build on that? And that's kind of, that's where as bail bonds, that's kind of like where we failed because we, we should have come up with some kind of plan to say, all right, look, bail bonds isn't going to be around forever. Let's start buying buildings. And yeah, we own some real estate and we did that a little bit, but we, we needed like, we needed to find you in that industry to say, right. this is the kind of building you buy. This is where you buy it. This is how much it should cost. This is because when, as markets crashed and things happened in the 2008, 2009, whatever, we were, we were doing pretty well. You know, bail bonds yeah. is, is immune, was immune to a lot of that stuff. You know, it just was always there and we should have, we, we needed that. So you were able to have that vision. I, we could have done other things too. We could have done like, you know, defendant monitoring, bracelet monitoring. We could have done mm -hmm. any of that kind of stuff, but we, we were very focused on bail bond expansion so, right. but you had the, that was our vision, but your vision was you were all, you're like the master networker. You were always finding like, now I'm friends with the these guys. Day. Let me see what yep. I can, what can I sell them? Or what can I, what services can I offer them? And right. that's, that's the way to, that's, that's a great, that's a great, great way of looking at it. Yeah. And really at the end of the day, what I tell people all the time, cause some people are scared of sales and they think like, Oh, I don't want to be this slimy, pushy, slick salesman. Right. And I'm like, listen, what you're doing is helping these individuals. I got guys who hound me all day about stuff and I have to blow them off because I'm busy, but I really want what they have. And I appreciate when they call me back and remind me that I need sure. to get this off my to-do list. Right. So I say, listen, you're doing this for the people who want it. For the people who don't want it, that's not who you're there for. You're there to help the people who really gonna say, wow, man, thank you. You know, they're yeah. paying you and they're thanking you at the same time. That's when you know you're doing and performing a great service, you know? That's, see that, and then that's interesting too. I, I've, I'm always, I'm good on the sales and speaking and kind of like tying the speaking and the teaching together. And that's kind of like what my vision is for, my, for myself. Now, Cornerstone, I wanted to expand. I want the company to get bigger. I want my partners and I to be successful. But on my own personal development, you know, I'm looking to do something along the lines of I want to get out and I want to speak more. You know, I went hopefully when all this COVID-19 yeah. passes and we can get back to doing that. Or I want to kind of do it online or I want to kind of teach a course or I want to do, you know, what they'll look for in a contractor if you own an, uh, um, investment properties and, and kind of build 
you know, from there. And I've been doing a little bit of writing every day. I've been kind of like sketching out a business book uh, to maybe do an ebook. Right. And I've been kind of looking at, at those kind of things. And that's how I'm, I'm trying to do. And I guess the idea and the, the time, what we're really talking about here is you have to do, you have to constantly do these things if you want to be successful, but also the mind of the entrepreneur, this is all we ever do. Like I, you know, exactly. you lay in bed at night and sometimes you're laying there and you're like, man, you know, this is a really good idea. idea. Yeah. I got an idea. I got, <laughs> I got, I got to write this shit down before yeah, I forget. Yeah. I got to put it in my phone, you know what I mean? Or I'll forget it. Or you wake up in the morning and you're like, here's my 20 things on my to-do list. And, and I'm always trying to come up with things like, you know, I want to write a little bit or I want to research something. Just when I was waiting for you to call me back, there's this, this thing on Facebook popped up called digital toll booths. I have no idea what that means, what? but like, I'm fascinated. I, I don't know. It's a, I have no idea what it is. I went to go look at their website and, the, and there's no website to it, but I thought that it was like, <laughs> I'm like, that's like the really, that's like a really cool name. So whatever this is, that is, you know, I mean, I don't know what it does, you know, but, and I'm always trying to think of like, you know, what, how could I either consult or I have a friend of mine that's coming on the show. Who's a life coach. And I think I need that. I think I need someone who I could like talk to an hour a week to kind of get all these things off of my right. chest and have the guy say to me, mm-hmm. not give me like to mentor me like that, but just to say, okay, let's, let's choose a path. Cause then the mind of the right. entrepreneur, you get nuts and you're sitting there and you're, I was exactly. sitting like, I'm still, my company's still open. And we're like ultra, ultra cautious in what we're doing. Cause we don't want anyone to get sick. We work right. on primarily empty homes. So right. we're thinking like, that's okay. And in the last two days, I've seen, I've seen three people in the last two days, excluding my family, just on the outside. Um, the right. guy from Sherwin Williams paint, two of my employees. And, uh, I think another one of my employees. Oh, and another a guy that I had to give a bid to. So I've seen four people in the last three days and we're trying to practice that social distancing. And then I'm, I'm in my, so I'm sitting in my, in my vehicle and I, and, and I'm thinking to myself, I got to write down some of these ideas because now my mind starts wandering where it's like, all right, what can I do for Cornerstone to make them better? What can I do for my own personal self-development and, and self-care? Right. You know what I mean? And, and right. you start to think about these things. And so you, you've mastered that where you're like, you're probably thinking right now, well, you have a podcast, which we're going to talk about in a minute, but you're probably thinking right now, Ray could use me to market his podcast. That's how your mind is thinking. <laughs> I know it is. That's and, right. See, Already, there you go. You've already heard. There you go. So I know my, I'm going to get a phone call from you in the next day or two. And you're going to be like, so you told me how you put everything on anchor and you're on these six things and you're getting like a hundred listens a show. And Hey, that's all great. I can get you 2000. That's going to be our conversation. Right. There you go. That's right. That's right. But it's the mind mind of the entrepreneur. It's the mind of the entrepreneur. And then I'm going to buy into it because when you it's, if you're a salesman, it's easy to sell a salesman something because Right. <laughs> like I could probably right. say to you, you probably, you probably need some investment properties. Let's start a strategic partnership and let's get mm-hmm. you into, and then next thing you know, like everybody's, you know, everybody's in love with one another. And, <laughs> yep. and, but it's like, it's easy, you know, it's easy to sell a salesman. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we know all the tricks, yeah. but we also are like, yeah, you know what? This guy's got a good point. I, I, you know, I really need that, you know? So, yeah. but that's, that's kind of like, like the way, the way our minds work. So, so you had some, you had a couple of famous clients too. When I, even when I was with you at blaze and you were, you were, um, you were building it up. You had, I'm trying to remember her name. There was one particular client that I can't remember her name. She was, um, she did something with Alicia keys. Um, 
man, I had a lot in the music industry. And, it's tough to. And, and um, I was like, oh man, that's really cool. Who who were who were some clients that came to you and said, hey, I need I need help with uh with my digital branding and kind of like, you know, if if well, I came to you, and like, yeah. how, how would you start me off? You know what I mean? As well as if you know, obviously Jay Z doesn't need us at the moment right now. Everybody <laughs> knows who he is, but maybe you got a young guy coming up. What's your, what's, what's the first step? Well, one of the things that we did, I worked with a lot of the artists on the come up and helping them grow in their careers and stuff like that. And, um, my main thing was really helping them navigate sometimes and understanding the business side because they're younger guys coming up through the industry and this, that, and third. Now I was young back then too. So a lot of us were the same age and we would share information, but I was very much into the business side. I was always into music business. And that was the reason why I went into do that internship because at that point I was thinking I wanted to start a management company and Smart. manage other artists, which I did actually do um, at one point. And I got, uh, and that was after I left D and D and I actually did the smarter move because I got smarter and I learned from everything. And I realized that the musicians and all of the guys that were doing the heavy lifting and the people we see in the videos were the guys getting the shortest end of the stick. Yes, they the were time. back and in the day like, for sure. Yeah, I was like, this really sucks, man. Like, this is not good. So that made me start to think. And I started to say, wow, man, this is, you know, my management company idea, me being an uh, entrepreneur, money man, I'm thinking about revenue. I'm like, yo, these are my clients. And if I'm going to be managing them, I get 10, 20% of what they make. And these guys aren't making hardly enough to hold their own yeah, selves They down. can't even you eat, know, they look, right? Yeah, they look great in a video, but they know they're living regular lives like we're all living. Yeah. So I was like, this is not really going to be that lucrative. And my uh, thing went off in my brain because I used to work with a guy in D&D &D and, and he used to come in. It was the, Now, this is a funny uh, story. This guy used to come in and we used to do sessions, right? And right. guys in D&D, &D, it was like $100 an hour. This is a prime time back in the day. So now it would be equivalent to like $200 an hour in sure, the video. Sure. So you guys would pay $100 an hour, come in, he would spend, we'd be in there all night and we wouldn't do any work. We, he would just have a limo. He had all his money. Oh he my God. limo outside. So we would just go get in a limo, drink beer, smoke, do nice. everything, chill with my man. He was mad cool. So we would just chill. So after I did this a few times, I worked with him a few times. He used to request right. me because I was my man. So I said, yo, after a while, I said, bro, we didn't record any music. Yeah, now we done not, we've done nothing, right? <laughs> we've done nothing I here. Was, you know, as an employee, you don't, you're, not, you're not trying to work. So, you know, even though I like my like what I did, I wasn't, you know, you I wasn't going to bring it up. Right, he was right. chilling. He was like, come on, man, let's go to Times Square. Let's go to this club. Let's go to this club. So we go over there just. So anyway, one day I finally say, after I said, "Man, I better not, I better not say anything. I got a good thing going. Don't let me, don't yeah, let me mess, don't let me mess this up." Yeah. yeah. But anyway, my curiosity got the best of me, and I was like, "How is this man continually spending his money, and we're doing nothing all night?" I said, "Bro, how are you making money? What the hell do you do?" Right. Finally, he says, "I write jingles." Oh my lord! I said, "Oh," I said, "Really?" He says, "Yeah, I write jingles." I said, well, any big ones, like, what was the biggest right. one you did? He says, you probably know it. Uh, you old enough. He was like, I said, what is it? He said, um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Eleven, twelve. <laughs> electric Company. Oh, my Lord. He, <laughs> he wrote the Electric the Company who song. Wrote, who wrote the Electric Company song. The dude had so much bread 
that oh we God. literally came. He came and he said, I, I asked him, I said, why are you spending this money? He said, I just like the vibe. Just coming to the city. It gets me in the mood. It gets me in the mood to write. Yeah. So he would come there not to record music, but just to hang out with us. Hang out and with the engineer <laughs> and do it. And he goes back home. He probably writes a hit jingle. And, and, and writes a million dollar jingle yeah. and then comes back over and say, thanks for that. You know it's saying? amazing where you get your inspiration from, right? His inspiration mm-hmm. was hanging out with you guys. Hanging out with us, man, smoking and drinking all night. That's what we did. But after that, long story short, he taught me a lesson. Right. I took that lesson. I said, you know what I'm going to do? I know all these producers in the industry who got fire beats, man. And mm-hmm. they are all struggling to make money. Like I consistently started seeing. Everybody's struggling to make money. I said, man, you guys are so freaking talented. Y'all got like a thousand beats in your archive that you just sitting on the side that you don't even like. I said, listen, man, why don't you do this? Give me all the beats you're not using over here. Because a lot of them, they're very sensitive about it. All right, right, sure. Like, oh, now let me play you. Nah, that's wacky. I can't let you hear yeah. it. Nah. And I'll be like, no, that's hot, man. Let me hear I it. I want to hear them nah, all. Right, let me hear them all. I don't want all. you to hear it. Yeah, they don't want you to hear certain ones, but it'd be hot. So anyway, um, I said, listen, man, why don't you just give me all the beats you're not doing anything with that's sitting on your drive that you're not doing anything right. with. Give them to me. I'm going to go and I'm going to work those songs to try to get you some placements. They said, fine. I got tons of them sitting nice. that I don't want. Here, take them, take them, take them, take them. I went out and I marketed those to all of the uh, placement houses, the guys, the music supervisors of the music, of the movie industries, television, and mm-hmm. all of that. I got them placed all over. Man, we wind up getting a deal through Warner Brothers wow. and something else. And we play songs, and every time I get my, and to this day, I have tons of producer credits, and I've never made any of the beats that I'm getting money from. I just slowly placed them, and I got my percentage of the of the publishing or whatever. Right. And um, we got placed on every show you can imagine, right? Everyone on ESPN, wow. MTV, BET, any show you can think of. Our music been on here. It's been on every show you can think of. And this Everyone. was all stuff and, just sitting in this guy's catalog. There's all, I got like five guys together who I knew were super dope. I took all of their music. I shopped them there. This was literally, I did this 15 years ago. Wow. I'm still getting quarterly checks every three months off of that, off of that right now. That's incredible. That's, that's the best passive income out there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's all. These guys are selling passive income. That's you were doing passive income before it was passive. For real, man. I don't it 15 years. And the funny thing was, at one point, Warner Brothers said, yo, after they switched, and I think they got a, uh, something went on internally. They said, we want to buy you guys out. We want to buy y'all out. So they tried to give us a lump sum. Right. I told my guys, I said, listen, man, they're trying to give us a lump sum. But this is Fugazi. We know what it is. We're going to get far more by sitting on this yeah. and going slow and taking it like this. Yeah. I've convinced all my guys. They said, we're fine with it. I said, I'm fine with it. We didn't sell the catalog. We're all still getting checks every yeah. three months. Slow money is good money. Time. Slow money is yep. good money. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when you mm-hmm. do that, is that is that that Fox agency? Is that where all your all your music is? Is that how you guys like get your residual from somebody who says, "Oh, I really like that beat. Let me use it for a commercial." Yeah. So they what they do is they all of the commercials and television shows and all that stuff because I'm a mass communications major and I worked in television right. stages right. too. I know that side of it. We all have these racks of what's called stock music, the music that they buy mm-hmm. um, in these libraries. And we can use them when we're editing things for different clips and stuff like that. Right. They're already paid for royalty free. So that's all they do. They're just in these houses where the television shows and 
every all the rest of those guys are editing them and they have these catalogs of music for them to utilize and that's why you'll start to hear even on like reality tv i hear this all the time you'll hear the same beats being played on multiple shows yeah because they're pulling it from the same catalog of of, same library same library yep same library that's interesting That's, that's, yeah. that's, and I said, that's great passive income. And another, there's another hustle that you did to, you, you saw a need, you saw a way that you could get these guys together. These guys are sitting on, you know, let it work, you know, let it, let, yeah. let it go to work. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that and, that's and, what these guys and, were able to do. And many of them were like platinum selling uh, producers, man. They got platinum records and yep. everything. So it was like, man, the music industry is tough, man. It's, and now it's know, changed it's a, it's a, a lot. Now yeah. it's changed a lot because you can go, I think, now I'm not, you're never going, I don't think you're going to be Lady Gaga or, or a really, really Beyonce or anything like that. But I, if you were a musician, I think you can put your stuff out on Facebook, not Facebook, on YouTube. I think you could, mm-hmm. put, you could put anything on iTunes. This is going to go on, on the I, Apple podcast. Um, I'm, I have no agent. Uh, I have nothing. I'm just, you know, I just upload it and it, and it goes there. And I think that you can do these things now that you weren't able to do 20 years ago. And I think it makes these guys, look, the, these agents and these guys look now as you get bigger and people start finding you. I think if you want to get to the really, truly next level, you probably need like someone who's a professional who's going to be right. able to guide you to get to that next level. If you didn't, if if you didn't need that, these guys wouldn't exist. But I think that if you really just wanted to put content out there and you're a guitar player or you're a musician, I think he could do it. Um, my, yeah. my son follows a bunch of these guys. My youngest son is a, a really good guitar player. And he follows some of these guys who, they're amazing guitar players. I've never heard of them, but they have 10 million views on each video, 15 million mm. views on each video. And it's just amazing. And these guys go out and they're touring musicians and they do all of these things. And it's fascinating to me because I don't think any, I don't think they have a record label or I don't think that they have any, I think that they just release content and then right. they, they become famous. And now there's people want to, you know, buy a ticket yep. and, yep. and go see that. And I think that that's, that's become a whole other aspect and, I'm, I'm talking about, you know, kind of yeah. be, being a guitar player or that type of musician where, you know, you're, you may not need to go, depending on what you want to do, you could end up making a living right. and never sign a record contract. You could make a lot more yeah, never maybe. signing a record contract. Yeah. yeah right. A lot of them do. A lot of them who we've never heard of make far more than those who you hear of every day because the profit margins for them is exponentially more sure. than the guys selling this. So it doesn't matter you sell a million records when you're only getting, you know, 5% versus me selling, you know, 20,000 records and I'm getting 90%. And I'm getting all of you it, know? right, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm making more money than you. It's the same thing as businesses talking about gross versus net. You know, yeah. you got big businesses who gross $5 million, but they're netting like, you know, uh, uh, 500,000. Yeah, you sure. know, it's like, that's the, you, you might as well be a company, company whose $500,000 company is the same as this $5 million company because at the end of the day, we're looking at net, not gross. Right, you sure. Know? <laughs> yeah, and, and that's, that's I think, what a lot of people confuses people. You want to say, well, you know, wow, you got a big company, man. You're, you know, you're billing $5 million a year. And, you know, the guy's driving around in his Mercedes and he's doing whatever, and that's great. I've always, I like the guy that's like, well, you know, I'm building a million dollars a year, but instead of making 10% profit, I'm making 30. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's, that's, 
that's the guy. So when you're, you know, these musicians, the only way they're making any money is if they're touring. But then you get these guys that, you know, they're they're only on on YouTube. So they're making the money from that. They're making the money from sponsors. Um, you know, hey, this YouTube video is brought to you by Squarespace or whatever the heck it was. And these guys are making money doing it. Look at even like Joe Rogan. I mean, Joe Rogan is, yeah. he, he's, it's all grassroots. He, I don't think that there's For anybody real. behind his show that's like, or Mark Marin or some no. of these other podcasters. I don't think there's anybody behind these shows. I, um, even Adam Carolla, he was a famous comedian mm-hmm. before he got into, into being a podcaster, but I don't think that there's, there's nobody behind. He has to do this every day. He's going to upload the thing he's going to do. And he has his people on there. They have their you know, the brand that they're selling, but it's absolutely amazing. And then, you know, my hope is that somebody says, Hey, come and speak at my engagement or, Hey, Ray wrote a, um, a hundred page book on, you know, how to on business systems or, you know, his entrepreneurial story or journey. And people want to buy that. And you start, you build the brand of you and you're building it yourself. You know, and, and I think that that's, that that's fascinating. Now, like for me, I think to get to the next level, it would it would be behoove me to hire someone like you to say, hey, listen, I want to get this to to um, two thousand, three thousand listens a podcast as opposed to two or three hundred. What can we do? And and yeah. you know that's that's where someone like that's like where your role is in coming in. And I'm sure you know Joe Rogan's got an SEO guy. He's not out there doing it by himself. I'm sure he's you know, got the right guys out there doing that kind of stuff, but it's his brand. He's not giving 20% right. to an agent or to a, at least I don't believe he is. I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe, but I don't, I don't see it. And I have a, um, someone that is a, a music agent and I want to get him on the show because I really want to ask him these questions. There's a role for these guys, but what's that role? You know? And, mm-hmm. and is it all contacts? Is it all like, you know, I got a book of just like you, I've got a book of people that I can introduce you to and you really, you're buying, you're paying for those contacts. I mean, maybe, maybe that's what it is, but that's, yeah, that's how the internet has changed everything, man. That's how it's all, it's, it's, it's really changed everything. Yeah. You can grind now, man, and make it up on your own. That's why we see these YouTube stars, man, getting these big deals now, TV deals and everything else, endorsement deals. You build your own following. And once you got your following, you can do what you, as you please with them. And that's basically what I was doing, the grassroots point when you were talking about, you know, me getting an audience and utilizing the audience to sell them something else. And that's right. the key to marketing. As marketers, we're always thinking, now that we have a customer, what else can we sell them? What, what can else we do can with we them? sell them? How can I what partner else? with because, them, right? Yeah, I got to think of every other thing that I can help that particular customer that I've already acquired because it costs me 10 times the cost to go out and find a new client than it does for me to nurture my existing clients. Yes. That's where a lot of businesses make falters as well because they're constantly in churn trying to appease the new when they have an existing database of quality cl- uh, clients that they haven't maximized their profit. That's, that is great. And this is actually a podcast where people are learning stuff. So if you're, mm-hmm. if you've listened to it this long, there has been a ton of entrepreneurial things in these stories that you can take <laughs> away right. from, but you're right. You, we always want to mm-hmm. go out and get, get a new client. We always want to go out and we want to do that. But to develop, we have somebody now that I, I, I spoke at a, at a conference and one of the people actually hired my company to, to do a, a full remodel on one of their rental properties. And they own a couple of properties. That's somebody I like to partner up with and develop 
and stay with mm -hmm. them. And every time they buy a property, I hope that they call me up and say, hey, can you take a look at this for me and tell me what you think uh, about the repairs, what a repair budget would be, what we could do to get this done. It would be great. You develop, it's someone that, it's like a warm lead. It's someone that right. already trusts you. It's someone that you've done work for before. And if you do a good job, you know, like, and you're, you know, that's free. That's free expansion, yeah. you know, whereas if you got to go out, you got to find somebody new, you got to market to get that person new. Like you said, it costs you 10 times more to do that. You know? Right. And even in personal right. capital, even in your own energy, it costs you a heck of a lot more to get that guy to believe in you than it does a guy that you've mm -hmm. been working for for a year that you've always done a good job for or someone that's gave you the opportunity that now you want to be able to say, hey, we did this project for you. What's next? What's the next building you're looking to buy? Or do you have any more exactly. rentals? You know, what is it that you're, you know, what is it that you're, that you're planning on doing? So my, right. my I have, I told a couple of people that you were coming on the show and the one thing that everybody asks me, um, I got it. And I, I want to make sure we have enough time to talk about this. You are, mm -hmm. I introduced you as a founder of Real Cannabis Entrepreneur. But That's I told right. everybody you're a cannabis entrepreneur. So That's I've gotten right. two stories from this. I'm like, so you <laughs> you have a guy selling weed on your program. And I'm like, I'm like, no, he's a legitimate cannabis. They're like, they're like, how are you spinning this? Like, what's what's the spin? Right. That you're doing right. this. So, um, or like maybe you should buy some of his products and calm your ass down a little bit and smoke some weed. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe, I don't know, but what me, so you're in, you got blazing multimedia it's firing all cylinders. Yep. Everything's going great. What did you, did you say, man, they just legalized weed in, in Colorado and Washington state. Like now's the time. Like what, <laughs> you know, or were you buying like weed on the dark net? What kind of got you to, and by the way, I'm fascinated by the dark net. I'm totally, totally fascinated. I, I'm trying to find a dark net expert, you know, that really knows a lot about it. But if you know anybody, yeah, I've never, I'm afraid to, I mean, listen, I'm the biggest chicken shit of everything. I'm afraid of everything. Right. But I'm the thinking my, everywhere. yeah, there's, yeah, exactly. Like if I go on the dark net, I'm going to jail, but I want to get somebody <laughs> on who really knows what the hell they're talking about with it just because I find it to be interesting, but putting all that aside right. for a second, what, how, what happened with like, you just one day said like, let's sell weed. Like what got you into, in, into <laughs> how did this all work? And tell me about this part of your journey. Now, let me tell you this. Everything that I do always happens for a reason, and everything that I do leads one thing into the next. It's never me randomly selecting things. It's things that right. have been selected for me. Interesting. That's how I feel, right? I've been guided my whole life, fortunately. My ancestors are with me. They helped me, so this is good. Sure. But listen, this is how I started this whole thing with the cannabis. I've been, I turned vegetarian at 19. Wow. I'm 46 right now. I haven't eaten a piece of meat since I've been 19 years old. Holy cow. 39. Yeah, so you know, 19, that was the last time I ever ate any meat, ever, mm. my life, right? Then at that point, I said, you know what? I'm going to take it to the next level. I had a lot of great teachers and master teachers who taught me things that early on when I was very young, I was fortunate to be around, that taught me about herbs and okay. the power of herbal medicine. Right. And so I started to study herbal medicine back then, and I was utilizing it to heal myself naturally of anything that was going on as well as my family and stuff like that. So anyway, I got very into the herbs and I realized after a while I had become so proficient in them that I had stopped taking all 
over-the-counter drugs, no drugs. I haven't taken an aspirin, a Tylenol, Robitussin, nothing wow. since I've been 19 years old. I have never taken any drug, nothing, no Alka-Seltzer, nothing you can think of. That's amazing. None of it. All of it comes from Earth because all of those things have a foundation in the herbal science. Every these plants are put on the planet to heal us of different things. And you just have to utilize them for what they're utilized for. So I learned that and I became very close with the plants and the herbs and I really respected them because of what they had done. I brought up all my kids, my kids, same thing. No, no uh, meat, no drugs, no nothing. They have never had it. They've always been super healthy. Um, And so after that, I realized as the cannabis, I was always a cannabis connoisseur myself. uh, (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) As it, as it came around and sure. it started to come and everybody was like, yo, why aren't you, you know, back in the day, uh, the people kind of knew me as being a cannabis entrepreneur early sure. in the day. So they, they said, why aren't you in this game? And I said, man, I don't want to mess with that man. It's too great right now. You know, they mess around right. and they'll lock me up. I don't want to mess. So people kept asking me this like five years ago. They were like, why aren't you doing this? You know so much about it. You used to do all this stuff. You were growing and this and that. Right. And I was like, ah. And I said, no, nah, I can't mess with it, man. It's still too great. I don't want to, I don't want yeah. the whole problem. So anyway, I let it go further. Finally, got word, Jersey's about to go legal. I said, oh my goodness. Wow. I would have never thought Jersey would have been in line to be one of the next legal states because we're just so gung-ho on the police state. Yes, right, Jersey right. sucks when it comes to arrest. And peep this, peep this statistic. New Jersey, as small as we are, we're the, num- have the, we're the second most state who gets the most arrests for cannabis get out of here in for the real? whole country that's crazy the whole country only people who beat us is california now they can't even beat us because now it's legal over there most of them had their cars and that's because of the, the state is big as our whole coast wow and we're number two this little state we got that many arrests for for weed for something that's like, really harmless at the end of the day right it's like come on man it's all this child trafficking and everything else going on you guys got to wake up leave that alone and focus on some of the other so I guess right. what happened was, of course, Jersey's a greedy state, though at the same time, they saw what the hell was going on. They saw all the bread and money that um, uh, Colorado and Washington and now Illinois just went legal and right. they blew up. They, 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 they racked up so much tax revenue and everything else. Jersey said, we got to get some of this money. So they were pushing and Phil Murphy's a big proponent of it. So he's right. the main one pushing, saying, yes, we got to get this legal. We got to bring the money in the state. We got to do all these things, blah, blah, blah. So they've been going back and forth. To make a long story short, we didn't get it through. We were supposed to get it through last year. We didn't get it through. It has to, they pushed it to the point now it has to go on the ballot. So in November, it's going to be a question on the ballot for all New Jersey residents. So all New Jersey residents, listen to this. Make sure when you go vote in November, there's going to be that extra question, whatever they call it. Sure, sure, right. That ask about legalization of uh, cannabis. And we know we're going to get it because... Um, they've already surveyed the sentiment of everybody in New Jersey, and and we're about sixty something percent pro um, yeah. cannabis. So, you know, people here. So because people at the end of the day, what happened was everybody just assumed they put this scare tactic on us and made us have a fear of the plant, thinking that it was something crazy because they didn't want you to use it, right? Right. right, right. And so now what happened is everybody said, "Oh, you guys just want to get high. There's no medicinal value to." to marijuana oh, i believe right? there but, i believe there is well I, that's my, my personal opinion and just seeing what it does for cancer patients people with ms uh all that kind of stuff i, I you know i thought it, 
it maybe not so much, but now as more and more you see it, it, it is, I, yeah. you know, absolutely. And, but they, they did a number on everybody to make everybody scared, fearful of it and think it was a bad thing. At the end of the day, what happened was, and we're still experiencing this, that many people still have that stigma. What changed the game for cannabis was a compound that was isolated called CBD. Right. So, okay. The acronym for cannabinoid, you guys, everybody, I'm sure you've heard of it. Cannabinoid came to existence and what it did for the cannabis industry is revolutionized people's opinions and stigmas about it because it took the psychoactive element out of the plant, which is the THC. That's the part that gets right. you high. Right. That's the part that gets you high, right? High. Right. You're not getting high with CBD. You don't get high. So now it's just about pure healing. And what they did when they did that, now people like my mother, who would never smoke, who would down the same thing, has a stigma on right, weed right. and my grandma. They would never, but now you got old folks and moms and everybody using it because it's working such wonders sure. on their arthritis and back pain and this and all these things it's curing. Epilepsy, it, does such a, it became such a great thing for epilepsy. They, the first um, uh, uh, um, federal, federal uh, the FDA, right, first, the first testing, drug right. approved one, yeah, it came from an epilepsy drug. It's called a Pedialex. And right. uh, it's a CBD formulated piece that is so effective at stopping the epilepsy with these uh, seizures with the kids. Wow. But anyway, everybody had to realize, come on, man, it's too much data. We're seeing people and these parents with these kids, when they have seen the power of the cannabis and then they're in states where it's not legal, they have to illegally travel with their kids to some other place. Yep. Some of them were going overseas and doing all kind of crazy stuff because they were like, soon as I couldn't get it. My, my kid was going, I had to stay there and watch him suffer. Yeah. Why, you know why suffer? Right. Exactly. Right. So that, 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 I think that pulled a lot of people's heartstrings and it started to open people up on it. And that's what we're seeing now. Plus the um, addition of the fact that America uh, population is getting more health conscious, period. Everybody yeah, is for about sure. health now. So the health element has also raised everybody's consciousness to become a, a bit more receptive to of uh, the cannabis plant. So I've, so initially I'll give you my, I have a little bit of a CBD story. It's nothing at all exciting, but it's, <laughs> it's the only way I can. And I have to ask you what I think is an important question, but I've, I just been listening to Joe Rogan and listening to some of these other guys. I said, you know what? Let me, let me give this a shot. So I ended up getting this CBD MD is the company. And I ended up yeah. getting um, just like a starter pack. It's like a 300 milligrams of uh, CBD gummies and like the stuff you put under your tongue and, you know, whatever. Right. Right. So yeah. I start taking the gummies at night. And when I, it's because I, right, so I wake up in the morning, sometimes I'm like, you know, stiff or sore or whatever, you know, freaking 49 years old, you know what I mean? Starting to get like, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. So if I pop a CBD, I get like this really deep night sleep. And then I wake up and I'm like, I feel pretty good. You know what I mean? Like overall my body, like it feels all right. Like, um, I know and right. I don't take it all the time. I kind of, I have not fully sold on. It should be something that I take every night. It's not fully sold that, that it's something I should right. take every day. Like I'm not there yet. And I'm always like, right. and the way my mind works, like I'm fucked up the way my mind works. It's like, well, CBD, how, how is that with, with, <laughs> with, with, with COVID-19? Am I going to get COVID-19 because I took CBD? That's how, that's just me. I'm a total basket case with all this. If I could tell you how many times I wash every day, I'm like a total mess. Right. But with this, with this CBD thing, I'm thinking to myself, well, this is pretty good. So let me take it at night. Let me see how I feel. I start feeling pretty good the next day. And that, I think 
when people start to feel it's just, and you're not high. It's like the craziest feeling. My, I share yeah. my old, I share my older son's story because he lets me do it. My older son, Austin, who you've met a few times, um, he's yeah. twenty. He's twenty four. He's he's a recovering addict. What? He's twenty four. He's twenty four. Can you believe that? Right. Get the hell he, out of here. He's going to be twenty five years old yeah. in in December, right? Or in June, Yo, I rather. I'm sorry. About to say like sixteen. No, wow. no. So he's but he he's he was an addict. You know, I mean, he's a, he's going to be an addict forever, unfortunately. But he's a recovering addict. And I remember when I got the CBD and I looked at this bottle for like two days. Right. And he walked up to it and he just popped one in his mouth and he ate it. And I was like, how's that going to make you feel? Like, how do you feel? He's like, I'm an addict. He's like, none of this does anything for me. He goes, just take one. You'll feel fine. Like it's illegal. It's okay. Like stop like researching this to death. You know what I mean? Like stop. Like you're hurt. Like just throw one. Like, he goes, take one in front of me so I could see you take it. And then you're, I'll monitor you. I'm like, what the fuck? Like I'm going to be okay. You know what I mean? But I'm, that's how crazy my mind works. But there is these things these things work and it's not alternate medicine. It's probably things that have already have been there all along. And like you said, Absolutely. we got scared by the government. We got scared by all these people are getting high or having parties or doing whatever. Then somebody says, well, you know what? Here it is without the THC and it works. Yep. And, and it's that amazing. was the key. That's the key. That and, opened everybody's minds up to say, oh, you guys aren't just trying to get high. This is actually real medicine. Now my grandmother's using it on her back. She needs more of this stuff. This is great. Our arthritis went away. Yeah. It's ruined this one. I mean, and this is what it is. We, the big thing that the CBD does is, um, it it uh, uh, it affects the endocannabinoid system. Right. And we have those internally in our body, and it attaches to those. It builds your immune system up, and it stimulates a lot of other things in your body: blood circulation, a lot of hormone release, and other things that need to be cleansing and stuff like that. So it's a really great thing, man. Overall. Um, and I'm just glad to see it progressing. That's the reason why, <clears throat> after I thought about this, I always wanted to get in the industry, right? And get mm -hmm. into the business of cannabis. <clears throat> My wife and I, we were traveling around. We were going to all the conferences. We were looking, you know, trying to get the information on how to get in the business. Mm -hmm. After a while, we had spent a lot. We went around and I said, man, this is a lot of the same regurgitated information. Right. This is not really what I'm looking for. I want the I want the one, two, three, and this is how you do it. ABC, one, two, right. three, one, two, three. Every time we go, it's a panel. It's this guy <laughs> talking about how I got into this. Yeah, and he's sure. telling his life story. And I'm like, I don't really want, I want somebody to say, okay, guys, this is how you do it. You got to get this license, then you got to go here, then you got to do this. Mm -hmm. You want to do this. So I never could find it. Ultimately, I said, you know what? As a marketer, this is what I do. I find a problem, and then I say, I'm going to fix it. Right. Now, I can't find it. I'm gonna make the. I'm going to make the conference that I always been looking for. Brilliant. That's the, how Real Cannabis Entrepreneur Conference was born. I bought together 20 plus entrepreneurs, successful cannabis entrepreneurs from all over the country, all over the world, who came to New Jersey to share their secrets. And I asked all of them. I said, "Will you be willing to share your secrets of how you became so successful in the industry?" And I thought a lot of them were going to turn their noses up because a lot of those people they make a lot of money. A lot right, of those guys sure. get paid, you know, and. All of them resoundingly said, oh, man, hell yeah, man, I'll do it, man. Then you ain't got to pay me. I'm with it. I'm, I'm, I, this is my thing. I want to help people. Every, I mean, I really was shocked how passionate the people in the cannabis industry are about really teaching others and helping them understand 
what a great thing this really is um, from a medicinal aspect. So I brought those guys all over. We did a conference back in November. It's called Real Cannabis Entrepreneur Conference. We sold it out, man. We nice. were our first conference out the gate. We were 400 plus people. We had a girlfriend from Zimbabwe, UK, Canada, Philippines, Holy cow. Mexico, everywhere, man. It was off the chain, Ray. I invited you. You should have yes. came. The after party was off the hook, man. You and, you and your wife should have came, um, man. It was dope. I'm sure there was a lot of cannabis being passed around at the after party. <laughs> that's just my, that's just my no. guess. <laughs> But that's just my guess. No, but, but no, yeah, okay. But no, we're in illegal. We're in a, still in a legal state, so we had to keep it. Yeah, to keep it but real. It was a dope party. Now, are these guys? Party. Are these guys actually selling cannabis? Or are they selling CBD? Or are they selling both? What are like? What's this? It's a mix, this? Of, both. It's a mix of both. My thing was to make sure that we covered all of the bases, and and my thing was to, like I said, I was really pleasing myself. This was information that I wanted to know the diversity and array of insider information about you know, everything. So I had people there teaching about CBD lines. I had people teaching about finance and CBD. I had people teaching about the cannabis growing side, the cultivation side. We had people talking about um, smoke shops, the head shop. One of my guys, he owns the biggest uh, uh, online smoke shop and the oldest one called uh, Green Goddess Supply. Okay, I've heard of that. um, Yeah, a lot of my people, they're very, very successful. Um, They've been doing it a long time, but they're very down to earth and they love to help people. And that was the reason why we had such a great event that people learned a bunch. So if you guys want to check that out for this year, of course, with COVID, it's messing everything up. Yeah, we, we don't know what to, to do. Right? September, we don't know what we're going to do, but we're going to do some virtual stuff. Go to the site and just sign up on our email list. It's called realcannabisentrepreneur.com. Realcannabisentrepreneur.com. Go there, sign up, guys, and uh, you'll get all the updates about all the things that's coming down the pipeline. So here's my here's my my groundbreaking question for you. Mm-hmm. I feel as though when they legalize weed in or legalize cannabis, let's be let's be politically correct. When they legalize <laughs> cannabis in let's say in New Jersey or in Colorado or whatever, it's a cash grab for the government. That's what I feel. I feel like yeah. they're gonna I don't know how much an ounce of weed costs, but they're gonna mark it up twenty five percent so they can make a lot of money off of people that just want to smoke some weed. That's that's what I think. That's what they're doing already. Because yeah. remember, New Jersey is already a legal state from a medicinal side. From a di- on so the medicinal. Can, all of us can go get a car right now and go to all the dispensaries right now and buy legally right. in New Jersey. And it's been like that since 2008, nine. And if you have like anxiety or if you have epilepsy or you have uh, certain mental diseases or you have um ms or autoimmune diseases you can get a you can get a medical card and i i think that's great absolutely but i also think why don't they just decriminalize it and then anybody can sell cannabis anywhere they want to sell it and that that's what i never i never got that like but then the government can't tax it they don't want to do that there you You already know (laughs) right there you go they ain't gonna play that game but I'm okay. They can tax her fine. Go ahead and tax it, man. But just let it be so that you don't keep locking up everybody for that bull, man. Yeah. For real. Like, that's stupid. Like, we got other things to worry about, man. It's child trafficking and everything else is going on like crazy. Oh, out real here. crime they and real drugs. Bull. And yeah. Yeah. It's gotten even worse. I mean, back in the day, we would say, man, it's all these other guys selling these hard drugs. Now, I don't even say that's not even the height of the crime. I'm looking at, like, these guys who are sex trafficking and everything. Oh, yeah. like, yo. It's crazy. I'm going crazy out here. Y'all got a lot to investigate. Why imagine with this guy smoking a joint on the corner. Imagine if they didn't look at any of that 
like guy smoking weed kind of conversation. And they, they mm-hmm. just went past that. And I think a lot of cops do now. I mean, I think, yeah, I, I, I think if do. you're, if you're in Trenton or you're in Patterson or Newark or, you know, some of these bigger cities where they just like all day long, they're answering call after call after call. If there's a guy smoking a, a, a joint on the side of the, the, you know, on the sidewalk or whatever, there's no way they're stopping and locking that guy up. That would be utterly ridiculous. But I think that you have to say, hey, look, it's legal. Anybody can do it anywhere they want to do it. You can buy it. The one thing about the government being involved in it is at least it would be regulated. So it comes from the proper growers and it does that. And I guess that's a difference between legalization and decriminalizing it. Because decriminalizing it, I could grow it in my backyard and, you know, use pesticides or do whatever on it if I didn't know what I was doing and put a batch out there that is probably not going to hurt anybody, but is not. Right. Not the healthiest. Is that the healthiest version. thing? Right, exactly. Whereas if you had it and the government said, hey, look, here's here's how we want you to, here here are some rules and it's kind of going to keep it, you know, a, a, a basic product. No one's getting sick from it. It's healthier than drinking yeah. and it's healthier than, than smoking cigarettes. So with all of that yeah. said, hopefully in November, it'll, it'll pass. Yeah. Yep. You know, and, and I say, and, and, and I, and I agree with you in terms of the regulation, but I just don't think the government's equipped to regulate that kind of thing, you know, but it's the way it has to be. So I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Right. Give and take at the end of the day, you know, um, to make sure that things fly and nobody has a problem with it. But I, I really do feel for a lot of the people who go through these medicinal challenges. Those are the people I really, yeah. you know, not so much the recreational, man. It's like these people with these, when you read these stories about the people with their kids, you can imagine what you would do for your child. I move to Colorado. You have to do yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever real, you could, whatever real. you would need to do, right? Like wherever you would need to do, you would pick up to help your kid. You for would real. pick up your shit and you would go anywhere that you and needed go, to go. Yeah. You know, and go somewhere else. I mean, and sometimes it's not that easy because remember, with these people who have all of these um, um, ailments that yeah. they have, you know, you it takes you a long time to find a good doctor or a good this, and yeah. you have them here, and then you don't want to go to Colorado because you're like, I finally found a doctor. It took me forever to get my mm-hmm. child a good doctor. Took me ten years to find this guy. Right now, I gotta just pick up and leave because now they're like, Nah, you can't do it here. We're gonna lock you up. You know, it's, it's- kind of foul. So. It's amazing. So I'm looking forward to it, man. Hopefully this, I mean, I know in November, this will be a, a, a mute point and we'll all be moving forward with the new, you know, structure of things. And and at the same time, what I was leading to as well is that a funny point I wanted to make is that regulation, right? To say, oh, we're going to regulate it, make sure it's not all these things in it and blah, right. blah, blah. Right. But up until this point, everybody in the world been smoking unregulated weed. That's true. <laughs> That's true. There's, you know, you could go buy weed from the guy down the street. You know what I mean? You know, it's not regulated. You I, know? I guess we could say it's pretty damn safe because everybody and their mom is smoking it for the past 100 years and oh, ain't nobody yeah. got problems. <laughs> Listen, even longer than that, I think weed's been around forever. I think what's going to trick people... Wait, yeah, thousands of years. Thousands of years. I think what, what people's going to... What's going to be interesting with people with it is the first times I've smoked weed, but I've never taken an edible and I haven't smoked weed. I'll be honest with you since college. Okay. (laughs) It just never really did anything for like, it was always like, yeah, it's cool. You know, I smoked some weed, but then I kept the, see like the way my mind works. I'm like, I'm going to give this guy $40 or whatever the hell it is. He's going to give me weed. That guy just made 40 bucks off of me. I want to make the $40, but I'm a chicken <laughs> shit, so I can't sell the weed because I don't want to go to jail, right? So it just, I, it was like a circle for how, how my mind works, but I haven't done it in, in a long time. But I think, well, and I've never done an edible. 
And I think that's where people are going to start seeing a difference because your body processes it differently. When you smoke a joint, Definitely. It, it, it acts one way. If you take an edible, it acts a different way. There's a different way. Definitely. And, Definitely. And I think people, when I think people will see that. And it's the same thing when you take CBD, if you put the CBD under your tongue um, or you drink it, it happens. It works a lot faster. And if you take a right. gummy, it's like chill for like, a yeah. ex- little extended period of time. You're like, all right, you know what I mean? Like, this is cool. You know what I mean? Whereas if you take the, but it takes a little bit, you don't like get that right. feeling right away. Whereas if you take the other the tinc- hour so. tincture, yeah. then it happens, you know, a lot faster. Right. So I think that yeah, people will start right seeing that. One thing you said that I thought was interesting and everybody's talking about, you know, your immune system and all that kind of stuff. You said CBD builds your immune system. How on yeah. earth does CBD help you? So any kind of CBD. So if I take a CBD gummy tonight, I'm helping my immune system. Absolutely. How the so hell I'm going to tell work? you why. Go ahead. CBD reacts. It's um, one of the compounds, chemical compounds, that's uh, wrapped up into your endocannabinoid system. Right. All of the rest of the medicines and everything that you take, nothing is found naturally in the body. This thing is found naturally in our body. We all have endocannabinoid systems. This right, right. CBD is bringing the cannabinoids to this system. Mm-hmm. That system called the endocannabinoid system is like the regulator. It's like the control box for your immune system, your blood flow, and everything else. The endocannabinoid system controls the immune system. Nice. You see what I'm saying? Yep. So if I'm stimulating it and I'm making my immune system now, um, I'm just like working out, you know, when you work out, you stimulate your muscles, what happens? Right, they get right. stronger, they get better. That's what's happening. The same thing, those CB. So look it up guys. It's called CB2 receptors. There are so many CB2 receptors in our bodies. And that's what CBD does. CBD binds to those CB2, uh, CB2 receptors and activates them and does a whole lot of other stuff. So read up about it, man. It's a lot of great things that it that's does. Fascinating. And it's all natural. It's in your body already. We're not putting anything artificial. That aspirin and that Tylenol you put in your body, that ain't, there's no system in your body that already has those elements in it. But right. when you put can, CBD, cannabis oil in your body, that's already in your body naturally. That's like taking iron, like taking right. you know, a vitamin. Uh, I'm a big vitamin fan. I take a multivitamin, a vitamin D. I'm like really into, I have to take some other vitamins to prevent kidney stones, but I'm really, really into that. And that's why I think this, the CBD is fascinating to me and, and the cannabis too. But right now the CBD is, is so everybody's like into it and everybody thinks that it's okay. I find it to be, I find it to be fascinating. The one thing I don't like about CBD is everybody's selling it and it's become a multi-level marketing scam. In my opinion, right. like I went to CBDMD because Joe Rogan advertised it and I figured he's done all kinds of drugs. He must know that CBDMD is good. <laughs> that was literally what I thought, right? But I have other people that have friended me on Facebook or whatever and they're like, hey, do you know you should buy, it's like people who sell oils. It's the same kind of crap, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Where people mm-hmm. who sell, they sell, they during these, these uh, multi-level marketing, these MLM things where you know, they're right. join my group. Okay. Well, what do I got to do? Well, it's 150 bucks. You're in the group. Now you're in my yeah. thing. You can sell it. And now you got to buy $150 worth of CBD. I like to just go to the, um, either, either online and buy it or all these vape shops are selling CBD and have no commitment yeah. to anyone, but it's turned, yep. uh, that's the only thing that, in my opinion, distasteful about it that, and then you're, 
you have people constantly pressuring you, you know, Hey, you know, you should buy. And as me, like I said, it's easy to sell a salesman. You're like, no, leave me alone. I'll buy, I'll buy, all, I'll buy all your fucking CBD. Don't, don't, you know, but that's, and that's, what's crazy. And, and that's the only thing. So look yeah. for what's I a mean, brand, MLM, what's a brand that you recommend or what's it? Are you in MLM or you, you don't, you don't do any of that stuff. Do you? No, nah, I don't do any of that stuff. Smart. Man. I mean, I, I know who you're talking about. MLM is hemp works is really killed the game in terms of the MLM aspect mm -hmm. of it. There's a positive and a negative with it. You know, like you said, the negative is the MLMs have a bad, you know, some people have bad taste in their mouths for them and that kind of thing. And it makes it seem, feel kind of scammy and stuff like that. Right. So I don't kind of like that element, but they are a real company and there's a lot of people doing really good with them. And there's also, um, it's helping expand the awareness. And right yeah. now I'm more so for that, even if it comes in a slightly tainted wrapper that it gets somebody and opens them up to say, Hey, CBD, what? Let me look into this. Let me oh, check it out. This? Right. Yeah. Let me put this on my elbow. My, my elbow been hurting, you know, let me try this. And then all of a sudden they're like, wow, this really works. And, yeah. and that's the one thing for me as a herbalist, my thing is always to experiment on myself before I gave it to my kids. Right. So I would sure. always do everything on myself first. I did the same thing with CBD. I was like, let me test this because even me, I was counting it. I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. I know the, the value of these herbs and CBD and, and cannabis and all. But I said, at the end of the day, let me try it for myself and make sure mm -hmm. it's really working for me because I don't get caught up in the smoke and mirrors and the hype. It's got to really work. You know what I mean? Exactly. So I took the salve and I had a back problem. I, I got in a wreck when I was in uh, college and flipped over and my back Ooh. always been messed up a little bit. So I was like, yo, my mom, my back really started hurting one night. I had my wife rub it on my back, man. Yo, best thing. That thing went right away. It was way faster way faster Amazing. than any other type of pain thing. I mean, well, I don't really use anything, but that one really, really worked for me. So in terms of brands, I don't really recommend uh, certain brands because I buy a lot of craft brands. Okay. My thing is buying from personal individuals who are hand making it, batching it themselves. So I buy from, because I'm in the industry, I know a lot of people who hand batch make it. I, I buy them from them. Those are people who care about it. It's like buying craft beer versus Budweiser. Sure. You know what I mean? You're going to, get the superior ingredients you're going to get the guys who really know the science who understand the taste palettes who really understand the science behind it they're passionate those are the ones who aren't in it for the money so that's right. why you never see them big or whatever they're in it for the love but they love it so much that those are people i want to buy from because remember cannabis is a plant and i want yeah. to tell everybody this anything you buy is a plant and remember this plants absorb energy so mm -hmm. if you got the wrong guy growing your plants and foods that you eat, you're absorbing their energy. And like all factory farming and all of that kind of stuff. You. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. There was an experiment. I'm going to tell you this real quick. It was an experiment this guy did. He took two cups of rice. Mm -hmm. In one cup of rice, he said, I love you. I love you. I love you. Every day. The other cup of rice, he said, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. Mm -hmm. He did that for a week. The one that he said, I hate you too, fermented almost five times faster than the one that he said, I love you, love you, love you. Really? Shows you that these plants, like we always knew, are actually vibing. It's the energy source, bro. We all energy, man. Positive, negative ions. This is all in their plants in the planet. They're living beings as well. So you got to be careful about who you take a healing plant from. And making sure that the energy is also proper. So that's why I like craft brands, man. Break that's interesting. And is there a market? Mm -hmm. Like now here's a business side of me. Is there a market for craft brands out there? Should I be making CBD at my kitchen table? Definitely. There's a huge market for it because 
and it's going to grow. It's going to get bigger. I mean, uh, as things uh, progress, because um, people are going to get more knowledgeable. And as they become more knowledgeable, a lot of these big brands, they have to do mass production and they have to do some other things that uh, allows you to do mass production, but takes away from some of the other quality elements that you might be able to maintain on a smaller scale. So there'll always be those, you know, in uh, there'll always be great opportunity and more people become educated and more it gets out there. There's going to be more demand for craft, you know, CBD, craft cannabis, all the stuff that we're talking. And it's almost like when you're, you go to the farm stand or the farmer's market and you buy your, um, you know, tomatoes and you buy stuff like that. And you're like, man, these tomatoes taste so much better than the tomatoes in ShopRite or Aldi's or whatever. These are really, really good because they're grown. They're grown right there. That person who's selling them to you is a person that's taking their time and and growing, you know, uh, and growing those tomatoes or whatever, whatever vegetables. And I like to go to the Trenton farmer's market. And, um, now it's, as the weather's starting to change, it'll, it'll get to be, you know, where there's more people selling more fresh produce stuff always tastes better the peppers always taste better the tomatoes always taste better so there's there's a lot a lot of truth behind that and like to me the business side of me i started to think well now maybe i should sell i should get into making craft cbd gummies and then i should sell them at the farmer's markets see so this is how (laughs) entrepreneurs the entrepreneur mind you know is constant is constantly moving and constantly working and right it's to me, it's fascinating. And I'm like the kind of guy, like I said, it took me the three days of staring at the bottle, you know, before I decided, Hey, let me try one of these. And I'm still not a hundred percent. So like my new thing right. is I, I want to, so this whole COVID-19 thing has made me into like a basket case. Cause I'm, mm-hmm. I'm first of all, a hypochondriac to begin with. So now I have, and I have seasonal allergies. So right away I start to oh, think, Oh man. my God, my nose is, is going to run. Am I going to get COVID-19? And knowing that that, I haven't even been near anyone that I'm aware of that has even been near anyone that has, has this virus. Right. So I'm, I'm like, but I'm like a crazy man with the whole thing. So I know that this, the CBD helps with anxiety and it helps you to just chill and calm down. Do you believe, do you believe that that's true? Oh, definitely, man. It definitely uh, helps the anxiety. That's one of the number one things. That's where it really, um, originated a lot of the original use of CBD was used by individuals that noticed the the, the decrease in their anxiety levels, right. the depression levels. So what um, happens to me? I get anxious, then I get acid reflux, then my chest hurts, then I start to think that I have another problem. I'm having a heart attack, and it just it never it like never ever ends. And I think <laughs> I think CBD is part of like I so I've been doing some yoga, I've been doing some meditation. I think it becomes part of that self care. I, I'm going to risk it and you're going to think I'm crazy. I'm going to take a CBD <laughs> during the day, one day and see what happens because it I always, ain't gonna happen. nothing, you're not going to feel nothing. Not going to feel nothing. You're right. Gonna, but I'm so crazy. Yeah. And, I take it all the time, man. Yeah. See, and it, it, it has no effect. It has no effect. So you won't feel it. Everybody thinks they're going to feel something. Right. You're not going to feel it. The, the, the time when you will feel a little something is when you smoke um, what they call CBD flower, which is really hemp, right? It's the right. cannabis version that is high in content of CBD. I smoke a lot of hemp all the time. Oh, do right? you really? Hemp, hemp is going to yeah. save, the, hemp in my opinion is going to save the world. Hemp. Yeah, hemp, man. They've been, again, again, I ain't going to get too much in that. They're going to try to run down on me, man, if I say too much. No, no, no. Don't, we won't but tell then, anybody where you I, live. <laughs> but yes. Yeah, they're scared of hemp, man, because it does so much shit. 
That's their bottom line. Yeah. It's an industry disruptor, right? Oh. That's what Uber was. Yes, it That's was. That's what um, uh, uh, all these uh, mm -hmm. economy sharing apps yeah. and things like that. Airbnb. Airbnb. Yeah. They disrupted an industry. Hemp has the capability of disrupting so many industries. That's the reason why they all lobby together to say, get that hemp out of here. It's legal in New Jersey. <laughs> it's legal to grow hemp in New Jersey, isn't it? Like commercial it hemp? Is. It is, but it's regulations. So it's a lot of regulations we're going through. I'm actually uh, one of the guys in our mastermind group, in my mastermind group for the Real Cannabis Entrepreneur. He has the largest grow out here. He's got uh, 500,000 square feet of indoor space. He grows some of the best craft um cbd bud hemp bud he sells to all uh, a lot of shops out here i smoke all this stuff wow. but yeah they're really dope man a lot of great things going on a lot of good things but the good thing is everybody in jersey is being very receptive like we've been yeah. in meetings with the department of agriculture the head of the department of agriculture they're working with us solid working with my guy to help him with his grows and all that stuff That's they're awesome. doing everything because they're really seeing you know people i, I think what's happening is is personal experiences where it's their own grandmother's shit. Yeah. It's their own mom, you know. Yeah. And then they say, yo, try this. And they're like, damn, that worked, you know. And yeah. that changes everybody's perspective of saying, oh, man, we really got to. This is really a medicine. This It's not no play play for real. So one of my crazy things that I do is I constantly make business plans, right? Like where I'm like, mm -hmm. well, let me see what's a good business to get into. And the, and, and the one thing I, I've always come back to is I, I have a, a business plan for um, aquaponics, right? So like hydroponics is growing plants in water. Aquaponics is when you have the fish, you know, and the fish are in a tank and oh, the, yeah, the fish, yeah, you know, yeah. they, they, they poop in the water right. and then that they water the goes to the plant and it gives it nitrogen. And then these plants, and I, I was watching this guy in Michigan, he grows basil. The basil is as mm. big as your hand, right? It's like incredible mm. how this, and, and, and that's just, so I, you know, so now, of course, my mind starts to think, can you do an aquaponics and grow hemp? Because to me, hemp's going to save the day. We're not going to have to cut down trees anymore. We're not going to have, it's going to be a use for paper. It's going to be a use for um, all different kinds of things. I think hemp has hundreds of uses besides medicinal. It has practical uses as well. You know, you can make clothing right. out of it. You can make furniture out of it. You can make material out of it. You can do, and I think that more and more, and people are going to say, well, why are we cutting down all of these trees when we can just plant, you know, all this hemp? It's going to constantly grow and we have so much more yield. And the only thing that stops that is exactly what you said. It's an industry disruptor and all the tree companies, they should be, it's like solar, you know, PSA right, and G by me, they embrace solar. And you started to see a solar panel on every power, uh, uh, what's it called? Pole on every electrical pole. You started mm -hmm. to see a solar panel. They embraced it, but you can fight it. And maybe, and I don't know if some of these lumber companies, if any of these guys are are, are planting hemp, if they're not, they should, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And they should say like, hey, this is an alternate way for me to, for this company to grow and make money and have that vision. I'm sure there's smarter people than us out there, but that's, to me, that's, these are things that are going to turn around and save the day. I hope, I hope that's what's happening. That's, so I think that's going to save the happening. day. Yeah, there's a lot of farmers now, man. You'll be surprised. Right now, there's a lot of guys who are growing other types of produce and all this kind of thing. They're getting, you know, 30 cents a pound, right. 20 cents a pound, and they can grow hemp and get $10 a pound. They're like, oh, my goodness. So a lot of the guys who have wineries, they're, the vineyards and stuff like that, they're flipping the hemp. A lot of the tobacco um, farmers who were once doing tobacco and that sure. was a cash crop, they're flipping the hemp. 
So it's a lot of guys who are farmers realizing that this is um, a, a, a very lucrative uh, market for them as farmers are starting to realize the opportunity and move over, man. So this thing's going to boom. I think it's a so. matter of time, working out the logistics. It's about positioning right now, man. So we'll see it all come to fruition soon. So you are the most interesting. I have learned the hour and 38 minutes that we have spoken. I have learned that you were an engineer for famous rappers. Didn't know that. <laughs> I have learned your, right? your, your entrepreneurial journey from the time that you were 17, 18 years old. And actually before that, you were 12 or 13 years old. And you were, you yeah. know, selling stuff on, on uh, mail order and running ads in, mm -hmm. in newspapers and stuff. And I, I had no idea. You are absolutely fascinating. And I think that that what you have is what all entrepreneurs really need to have. And that is the dogged determination and then the vision to say, this is not enough. I, I know yeah. I can do more and even more with what I have. You know, I mean, I'm a big right. systems guy. So to me, it's like I'm always looking to develop some kind of system to make it smoother or to make it better or to make more money or to, you know, to do whatever. But you always have to be thinking that way. And then you, you, you really edge, you really educate yourself. You are absolute, like I learned more about CBD in 15 minutes than I did, you know, in, in, in just in talking about it. And, in, and now I know more different things to research. And I know that other people right. who said something to me about, you know, your, your endocabinoid system. And I probably didn't say that right. But other people have said that to me, <laughs> cool. you know, other people said to me and I'm like, eh, I don't know. You know, I mean, I don't know if this guy knows what he's talking right. about, but I'm a firm believer in and I went to graduate school for theology for a period of time. And one of the classes that they make you take is called systematic theology. And what systematic theology is, is, is it's a, in a nutshell. And there's a heck of a lot more to it than that. So if you're a pastor and you email me that I'm wrong this is a brief explanation of this. And you, mm. when you study liter like biblical literature, if it's, you have to look and see if it says something more than one time. Does it say it three, four, five, six times? And different people reporting the same thing. Does that make it mm. true? You know what I mean? So you look at things right. systematically and then you get to somebody who's an expert like you are and you're like, and you said, you said this to me. So now that kind of gives credibility to the other five people that I didn't think knew what they were talking about. And then you start talking about how <laughs> you know, CBD builds your immune systems. Here's a CB2 receptors. You're an expert on it. You're, you're, uh, as my friend Prophet would say, um, you know, you're a SME, you're a subject matter expert. And then that gives credibility, <laughs> right? it gives credibility. And when you have that credibility, right. you've made yourself into a subject matter expert on a more than one subject. You might not just be a subject matter. You're, you know, about marketing, you know, about, mm -hmm. about the CBD, you know, about the, you know, about, uh, being a, a cannabis entrepreneur and you know, about, right. um, about all these different and things. My, I got my sock line too. You know what I mean? I gotta, oh, the I gotta socks. That real quick. <laughs> Listen, the socks, I regret this. I regret not doing the sock website. I really, really do. And I, and I almost don't want to do it. Here's why I regret it. And again, it goes back to my systematic theological approach on things. And it has nothing to do with religion as much as it is the system. And I said, to, and, and I'm a believer, by the way. So, um, but in my thought process, I'm looking at it as a system and not so much as in theology. Again, I pastors, please. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get a couple pastors on the show. I want to make sure I can get the guests. 
Um, but when you, <laughs> when you look at things systematically, I was watching some video about a kid who sells like a million pairs of socks a month off of his website. And you look at his yeah. factory, his mom's in there, his dad's in there. Like right, the whole family's right. working for this kid. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> man, I should have bought some damn socks. I should have invested in the sock website. What do you have going on? What do you have going on that's hot right now? What If you, if you were recommending to a young entrepreneur, let's end it on this. You're, you, I'm a young entrepreneur. And I said, Gary George, what's mm-hmm. hot right now? What, what should I be investing <laughs> oh, in right this? What are you doing right now? That's hot, man. There's a lot that's hot, but I'm going to give you two or three big ones. Okay. That's what I'm looking <laughs> for. I'm writing this shit down too. So I can, I can, I yeah. can, uh, I'm, I can follow I'm gonna you. Give you all the, I'm going to give you the golden nuggets right now, because remember the economy and landscape has completely changed right now. Yes, it has the game has just changed in the last two weeks, and we're going to see a drastic change for a long time to come. But this is the good thing about those changes, is that me as an entrepreneur being in the business for 21 years, I've been through the ups and downs. I've been through the last uh, economic downturn. I saw what I did, but like I was saying uh, earlier, that I get to get a a glimpse of what everyone else does. It allows me to see what's happening. Smart marketers, take advantage of situations just like this. Mm-hmm. This is the time when everybody else falls back and says, oh my God, this disease, the, the stores are closed, the economy's crashing, I gotta save all my money, I'm not spending nothing. That's the exact opposite mentality of a smart marketer and entrepreneur. We're saying this has now paralyzed almost 50% of my competition. It's yeah. now time to go. Right. It's go time right now. This is the time when we make the most money when people get scared. We make the most money from fear in marketing. Yep. When people are scared of true. anything, yep, that's where you want to go. That's the reason why plumbers make so much money doing such a menial task because nobody else wants to do it. No, right? you're right. You nobody wants to get their hands it. dirty. Right. Nobody wants to do it. But that plumber's making great. He's making more than a lot of engineers out here that's looking pretty in a sharp you know, uh, Armani suit every day. Mm-hmm. You would swear that he got more money, but this plumber guy with his with his butt crack out, he's over here banking far more, doing an un um, you know a menial uh, job. job. But let's talk about plumbing for a yeah. second. I'm doing a big project. The hardest thing that I had to subcontract, and this is three, it's three apartments and a, a large commercial storefront. The hardest thing to find was a good, capable plumber. Either the guy wanted some mm. massive amount of money, right? Cause, mm-hmm. Or the guy couldn't read the blueprints, right? It was either one of the two. And it mm. finally, we got so many people in there giving bids that we actually kind of have it in an area where we want to, you know, move forward. I'm the general contractor on this project where we're ready. We're moving forward with this pro- with, as we did plumbing and project. But, and then you get a decent plumber and the guy's booked out for a month. You know what I mean? Because he's so busy. So if I was going to recommend to anybody, if you wanted to go get a job somewhere and get plumber or electrician, choose one of the two. Plumbing is a dirty job. Electrician, you could die. But you put any one of those two, you know what I mean? Catch a bad bad shock. Any one of those two, you will make more money. HVAC, you will make more money. If you have an HVAC company, and a friend yep. of mine owns this company called Aced here in Trenton. He is, he's, first of all, he's a, he's a real subject matter expert on HVAC, but he's incredible. I mean, and he is busy. You, you can't, I mean, you can't find this guy 
You know what I mean? That's how right. busy he is. He is got 10 job sites going on at once, but pick that, pick a career like that. And then you can always say, Hey, now mm-hmm. I want to be an entrepreneur. I went to somebody, he mentored me. I've been there for five years or however long it takes you to get this, to get this, to become an expert. Now I'm going to go start my own plumbing company. And that's where the real money is at. That's huge, hey, really. huge money. But anyway, so give us your three. What hey, are your, really. what hey, are your really. three? And speaking of, Speaking of HVAC, this is how cannabis is going to change the game and has been changing the game all across the country. These yep. HVAC guys who are getting smart and paying attention to what's going on in the cannabis industry are realizing that there's a ton of regulation for cannabis-based companies and grows and producers to eliminate odor. Wow. Those are the HVAC guys. That's They're smart, all bro. flipping to cannabis and now getting in the business of odor control for the bigger grows because they have statutes to say your odor can't flow too far because there's residential areas around, you know, you don't want the wow. smell all over the place. Sure. So they do a, these HVAC guys are getting trained up in this stuff, learning this crap and they are making head over fist money. That's I never would have thought of that. She's so crazy. It's not just crazy for the people in the cannabis game. It's more crazy and more profitable actually for the people who never touch the flower. It's the ancillary businesses is what we call them. Sure. In the cannabis industry are the other people, the accountants, the attorneys, the this guy, the guy who supplies the suppliers. Those guys are making the most actually in the industry. And a lot of people look at those guys who have the dispensaries and everything else and think they're getting the biggest bread. A lot of those guys who own those dispensaries are my friends now and people who I have uh, relationships with who I get insider information, but they say, you know what? This 70% tax rate is killing us. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. 70% tax rate. Can you imagine that? Dispensaries is what they're getting, bro. And they can't write off. It's a, it's a, it's a statute called, uh, 280E in, um, by the IRS saying that no cannabis company, because it's not legally, it's right. not illegal from a, a federal perspective, mm-hmm. you can't write off regular expenses like employees, like business expenses and wow. computers and shit. You can't write off none of that. So you got to be the guy that makes the baggies. Yes. You got to be the guy supplying them. And you know what's happening? It's these small little niches that nobody thinks about. There's another one of my buddies. He's the biggest indoor grower in Massachusetts. He supplies all the dispensaries around there. Nice. He says, man, my number one problem is I every day when we grow this, by regulation, we have to clean out all of the ducts where they run the water that has the fertilizer in really? it and all that other stuff. They have to clean it after every batch. He says, man, I have to do this shit over and over and over again. If I could hire somebody, I would literally pay anybody, anybody anything to come in and do this for me. Little things like that. That's that brilliant. He told me, and I was like, light bulb. Like, yo, look yeah. at this. This guy's growing tons, and he's saying, that's the one thing I hate to do. I wish I could just hire somebody to do this. But nobody's doing it, because nobody knows. So, so now I have, the, everybody. I have the infrastructure. So apply. So I have the infrastructure. We could do something like that, like Cornerstone, because we do property mm-hmm. maintenance. We could, mm-hmm. you know, with a little bit of training, we could do something like that. So again, the entrepreneurial mind, as you're talking about this, I'm saying like, how many guys are growing in New Jersey? Do they need mm-hmm. this service? What could I do to maintain their building? You know what I mean? Yep. Or their system. And that's how, as an entrepreneur, you have to start to think. But this is brilliant. It's the ancillary stuff. I don't want to be, when I had the bail bonds, everybody knew me. And that was fun and dandy. And it was at that point in my life, I was a young guy. Bro, I want to be the Kaiser Soze 
of entrepreneurs, <laughs> right? And everybody knows who Kaiser Soze is. Nobody knows who he was. Nobody knows. at the end of the movie you get to you assume you think you know who it is at the end of the movie. But at the end of the day, mm-hmm. I'll I'll be happy to go clean that guy's the the the, the duct work or whatever filtration yep. system. I'd be happy to do that if he pays me to go For do real. it every month. Are you crazy and have no yep. no like no one's looking and at me. Banking. Yeah, and you put the money in the bank. And, 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 Exactly. And you're banking. And that was the reason why. And I'll go back to this, that I called what I, you talked about, you know, having employees growing a bigger business. And I was at that point, same thing where I had, you know, employees in the double digits and all that stuff. And it was cool. And I liked it. And I was at that point in my life, just like you said, we were growing things. We had felt it. And I was feeling like I wanted to grow this huge company. After a while, I realized that that really wasn't exactly what I wanted. Right. I realized that by having all these employees and everything, they was always pulling on me oh, and yeah. I could never relax for a second because everybody was like, yo, what do I do? I got to do this. I got to do this. And I realized that delegating and giving instruction is a full-time job too. So I was like, shit, man, this really not what I signed up for. I want what's called a lifestyle business. Yeah. So that's what I went to build at that point was a business where I really didn't have to work. There's many days when I don't do anything. There's many days when I've worked very little out. You know what I'm saying? That's what I need, bro. I need a little bit of that. You know? That's called lifestyle business. Because if you, like we were talking about before, I could choose to go out and make $5 million, but I'm going to have to kill myself for Mm -hmm. it. Am I going to be happy for that? Uh, I got the $5 million, but I can't even travel and enjoy it. can't enjoy it. Like, I can't do anything. So it's just sitting in the bank. Like, what good is that? So for me, I always felt like it was a balance. And it was about... You know, having a business that was thriving, but at the same time, it wasn't taxing you to the point where you had to work every single day. You know what I mean? Right, and sure. that's what I'm always continually looking to build other businesses. That's why I'm a serial entrepreneur and building all these uh, other entities because I'm always building my residual flow of income. Things that I don't have to do shit for and I'm sleeping and it's making money. That's yeah. where you want to go. So you asked about opportunity for the guys and young people looking to get in anything. You need to look at anything that brings you residual income. That means they pay you once and that customer's coming back. That's the reason why I love CBD as well, because it is a medicinal play. Once you get a customer with CBD, it's not like buying a pair of socks. I own a sock company, right? right Everybody right. buys that just to feel good and shit. You don't got to buy a pair of socks. But when you have CBD and your back hurts, your this and your arthritis, and that shit's fixing it, oh, you best believe I'm coming back. Sure. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there every time to get my get what I'm what I need to make myself have a better quality of life. So for me it's a two for one because I'm helping people feel better at the same time, you know, it's a situation where they're consistently going to uh, bring you residual income. So residual income is one of those things I wanted to say the cannabis industry definitely is one of the biggest low hanging hanging fruits right now that I believe as an entrepreneur that everybody needs to take a look at. If you want to learn about entrepreneurialism in the cannabis industry, check us out, realcannabisentrepreneur.com. We have the largest mastermind group in the country. We have over 60 members in our mastermind group from all over the country. Wow. All real cannabis entrepreneurs who share information, share tips, tricks, and everything else that's going on. When this COVID thing was going on, we just had a meeting on Friday. I got members in Amsterdam. I got members in Virgin Islands, Canada, Philippines, all over who chimed in to tell us what's going on over there. We get the pulse on everything, what's going on. And right. that's what it's all about, networking, man. Got to network, got to get out there. You have to talk to people, young people. Get off that phone, get out and talk to people. No, man. Right. That's the best thing. 
Yeah, for sure. You're you're absolutely right. So, where can everyone find you? I know you have you said that the uh, the real can the real cannabis entrepreneur dot com. That's one. Yep. Blazing yep, Blazingmultimedia dot com. There you that's go. The, that's the uh, that's the granddaddy of it all. It's B L A right Z I N no G multimedia blazingmultimedia.com. Excellent. Check it out. Go there guys. Um, got a ton of great stuff, man. A lot of things, big things that are taken off this year and 2020, man, with this COVID thing, like I said, it's really changed the game of it. Yes, it but has. it's also as marketers, um, we like challenges and I, I, I like when things get more difficult because it makes you force you to think outside the box. So let me tell you about one of these other campaigns that I was just running right, right. today and yesterday. This is gonna blow your mind, right? Mm -hmm. Check this out. I got a tool now where we take, so any of you guys who are business, this is what I'm doing right now, helping a lot of the CBD store owners who are forced to close because they're not being deemed essential. Right, right, the right. cannabis dispensaries are being deemed essential and they can stay open, but the CBD stores can't. These guys, a lot of them just got into their storefronts. They got $2,000, $3,000 a month um, uh, uh, rent right. and they got inventory, $10,000 inventory. They're losing a bunch. So a lot of them, as again, I was telling you, Ray, I was trying to push you guys to go online, doing the same thing with these CBD companies. Say, guys, you got to get online. You got to get your online thing going, mm -hmm. man. Just don't depend on the brick and mortar. Anything can happen. Sure enough, what happened? Boom. Yeah. COVID comes, they're closed. Now they're all calling me. Yo, I got to get online. I got to make a website, something. right? I got to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I told y'all. You should have been ahead of the game. That's okay. I got something for you. So anyway, started working with a bunch of them. Got them in a position to get their customers and use their customer database. I said, listen, how much data have you been collecting on your customers? A lot of them weren't collecting anything. Mm, Biggest mistake that you terrible, can make as terrible. a business owner. You yep. better always collect as much data as you can on every single one of your customers because that's the profile that you can use to find more of that ideal customer. Mm -hmm. So when that person came through the door, they said, yo, I was like, okay, this is what we're going to do. How many of you guys have physical addresses of your uh, clientele who comes through the door? Your customers. Right. Some of them had it. Most of them did. For the guys who had it, I said, okay, you got addresses. This is what we're going to do. Give me all the addresses, give me all the emails, give me all their names, give me everything else, right? Boom. I got a system, I upload it right now, and we can take physical mailing addresses mm -hmm. and we can map it to household IP addresses, which wow. is the address on your computer, and we can fire banner ads and advertisements to that individual in that particular IP that matches that particular mailing address. So now I'm taking their entire database that they never stayed in contact with. They didn't have a relationship with them because they didn't never do any mailings or stay in contact, do anything. So I said, just give me their addresses, give me their email, give me everything else. We match them up and we're firing these ads into the houses telling these people, hey guys, guess what? We're still open for delivery. We'll put you on a reset. Right. We'll put you on a recurring schedule for automated monthly delivery and i'm setting them up with monthly delivery and getting their revenues back in so they can stay in business this is the kind of stuff you got to do when times get tough man it's not time to ball up it's time to get smart play to win man and you know what's funny is it's gone i think this whole thing is going to change a lot because they're talking about this may not be the only time we have this COVID 19 there might be something else For around real. the corner it might be COVID 19 again who knows, right? But we have For to real. adapt. So maybe the storefront, and you know, we all know bricks and brick and mortar has its place, but it's not like it used to be. 
You have to be able mm-hmm. to sell online or you have to be able to have marketing alternatives that is going to, you know, have your people in front of you where, where you know, you're, you have, like you said, a residual income or you're out there, you know, like to me, like Mark, the, the online for my company is not as important because mm-hmm. at least not right now, mine is more like an in-person kind of thing at this, at this point. But I think you really need to have a strong online presence. If you don't have that, that like what you're doing now for those guys, you're probably going to end up saving a lot of their businesses. And some of them may mm-hmm. never go back to the, to the brick and mortar. Right. They, for they, real. They may say, man, I'm doing pretty well running this right out of my, out of my house. Like why on earth do I need to, to, to stand in the store every day? They may never need right. to do that. You know what I mean? And that, exactly. I think that's where a lot of this is going. And that, that changes your lifestyle too. I'm, I'm a, I was starting to get like, do like some grocery deliveries and start to do stuff like that. I'm, I think that you waste all it's, I love going to, to, to look at the produce and I love doing that kind of stuff. I don't need to walk up and down every aisle. And I think a lot of it, a, a lot of companies like look at Instacart, that's all lifestyle, yeah. all lifestyle For related. Real. You know what I mean? It's all like, who wants to go to the grocery store for three hours? You know what? Go to the farmer's market, walk around a little bit, get some fresh produce and the Instacart guy. I have, um, I know you don't eat meat, but I have butcher box. And, and there's <laughs> oh, yeah, a, I've seen butcher box. They do their thing, man. Yeah, butcher great box marketing. is great. You know what I mean? And great the, marketing. the product is tremendous, right? It's like the best, you know, and I don't eat a lot of red meat. I eat a lot of chicken and pork and mainly mm-hmm. a lot of chicken. It is the absolute, it's better than anything. It's grass fed and finished and it's better than anything you'll get oh, anywhere nice. else. And it's amazing. Nice. Right? Now they have produce companies doing the same thing. There's one at their ugly fruit where it's like all the seconds that the groceries chains don't pick up. It's like the melon looks ugly or the tomatoes bent up or whatever. Oh, it's, really? <laughs> it's all fresh and healthy produce, oh, that's right? that's what they call ugly yeah. fruit? But it's like, it's like for 20 bucks a month, you get a package every month of produce. It's great. Damn, I'm writing that down, bro. Yeah, <laughs> it's great. You know what I mean? And, and I got it from a friend of mine, um, Corinne, who I, I, I have friends with on Facebook. I went to college and high school with her. And she gets this every month. And she's like, it's mm. great. It's like nothing looks like it's all the seconds, but it's super, super yeah. cheap. Right. Stuff that would get right. thrown away. And, and and the food's delicious. And it's and it's fresh food. Who So I think I think you'll see a lot of that. Like the CBD. Somebody said to me, why didn't you just go to the the CBD store down the street? And I'm like, well, I went on CBD MD because like I said, Joe Rogan recommended it, which is probably stupid on my part, but he recommended it and they deliver it to my house. I don't even have to Mm -hmm. think about this. And it's even like Mm -hmm. the stuff that we use, like we have a client that we have to use certain light fixtures for, right? We get them all delivered Mm -hmm. at my house. We buy them on Amazon. Why go waste the time and send a guy for to go to real. Home Depot? He has to wait in line for an hour. Do all stuff. I'll buy it from Home Depot online. They'll get delivered to my house, and I'll drop them off at the job site for the the uh, the guy to inst- my one of my employees to install it. For real, and that's what you have to look for. It's all. I think after this COVID nineteen thing, I think you're going to see a lot of lifestyle things happening. I think people are going yep. to say, "I don't want to go to work for forty hours a week. I've been home for the last month doing this same job." For real. And I've had a better quality of it. Now, granted, like everybody's afraid to fucking go out of their house and I don't blame them. I am. I'm, I come home and like scrub down. But <laughs> but you start to think you're like, hey, even after but this But you passes, start to feel different. Yeah. yeah. You start to say, damn, man, this, this feels different. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm going busting my ass every day. And, you know, after a while you start to say, 
you know, I would be willing to give up. I'd be even willing to give up a couple dollars to have my freedom, you know? Of course. And, uh, and, that's, and that's what it's that's all what about. a lot of people are getting to. Yeah, yeah. And I think you'll get to that. And I think you'll see, I and mean, we're not going to get into this topic because this is right, this is right down the fucking rabbit hole of uh, <laughs> podcast, but universal income. And I, and like yeah. my, I always bring up my brothers and my brother's a teacher and he's an economist. He lives in Shanghai in China. And one oh, of the things, he? yeah, he's great. He's, he's the smartest person. I, I would say he's, you you and him would hit it off because he's absolutely <laughs> brilliant, and and I all the things that you, brain ASAP. yeah all the things that you are saying he'll give you the macro and micro economics of the whole thing. He's absolutely brilliant. I need that. But they, I see, need that's the that guy brain. you gotta, you gotta to. hook me up with your bro. Oh, he'll yeah. love it. He'll, he he could, he'll talk to you until you fall asleep. It's uh, to me it's ex <laughs> it's exhausting, you know, because I've lived with it my whole life. Right. You know, but for you it'll be great. You'll have brother, like, younger, younger, brother. younger brother. He's eight years younger oh, than me. Okay. But he, oh, he, damn, he way younger. Let me let me tell you how smart he is. He took the he took the Praxis exam. That's the exam that you take when you're going to be a school teacher, right? Uh -huh. He scored in the top 1%. He has one of the highest practice Damn. scores ever. Ever. Wow. Ever. He is, wow. he's just so ridiculously smart. So we were, we were talking about universal income and eventually uh -huh. all the robots are going to be doing all the work. And somehow along the lines, the rest of us have, that's why I don't want to go down this rabbit hole because I'm a firm believer in this. And I, I really, I liked Andrew Yang. I thought the guy's brilliant, but I think that you're right. going to start seeing where people are going to say, Hey, you know what? I don't want to work 60 hours a week. I'll work to 40 or I can do my job from home. Or maybe I only need to go to the office two days a week. Maybe, you know, and I think you're going to start seeing that with, with more and more people. And I think that's going to be maybe one of the positives that comes out of this whole situation is socially like, you know, Hey, yesterday I came home at noon, you know, I got all showered up. It was great. I spent, my kids are all home being schooled because they can't go to school. So they're all online right. school. I got to see everybody. I spent a whole bunch of time with everybody, you know, the whole nine yards. And I think that there's a lot, there's a lot to be said I, for that. Definitely, man. I think people are going to see a whole nother level of appreciation, you know, being around, having a chance to spend time with your kids and stuff like that, that you don't get a chance to do. You, you know, you, 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 it gets you in a different zone, man. And it's going to be hard for people to get out of that zone yeah. and back into that other zone, particularly when there's, you know, potential threats and yeah. things like that. So it's going to be, it's going to be a bit of a bumpy road. And I tell everybody, I say, Hey man, listen, you got to be built for this, man. You got to know that as an entrepreneur, there's, you must be flexible. You must be able to pivot as fast as possible. Whenever climates and things adjust, you have to be looking at the next thing. That's why. You hear in all my stories how I went from one thing to the next thing to the next yeah. thing that led me to the next thing. And so this thing is nothing but another feather in my cap. That's how I feel. I and feel like oh, it's all about know, working was, to make it happen. What can what are things that you you know, what are things that you can do? How can you have an otherwise terrible situation? Right. What can you do to into help? a positive? Yeah. There's always a way to flip a negative into a positive. So all you continue to think like that, you'll find all types of business methods and methodologies to help other people while you're helping yourself. And that's what I love about what I do is that I'm consistently helping other people, you know, um, uh, maintain their lifestyle, keep their business in business, keep sending their kids to school, you know, stuff like that. You're helping them at the same time yeah. and they're helping you and paying you. So it's a win-win. If I'm doing something I love and at the same time I'm helping people and I'm getting paid for it at the same time, that's the ultimate lifestyle best in, uh, arrangement you can have. You should write a book. 
<laughs> that's what you should do at the end of the day you should like i'm i'm writing about different entrepreneur me being an entrepreneur i followed this practice called ohio only handled it once um i'm you know and i i'm in writing about it you above all people even if you have to hire a ghostwriter to help you out you need because that's yeah. what i'm going to do i'm going to write it and i'm going to send it to somebody to read and to say yeah this can be that much better. Right. So that's, that's kind of what, again, find an expert, right? I'm not a, I'm not an expert writer by any stretch, but there are experts out there, editors and so on and so forth that can help you out. You need to do that because your store, your stories are great and you've done so much. And for, 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 to be able to pass that on, that's passive income. Once you write that and you yeah. sell a thousand copies of this book every month, you're done. You can just go home. You could retire. You could, you could make it one more thing. One more thing. It was an absolute, it was an absolute pleasure speaking to you. You hold the record for the longest Ray Agliata show podcast, which was awesome. It was great. I'm so glad I I chased you around for the last month to get you. Cause I know you're really busy and I get you to call in and, and, um, and do that. And I really, really appreciate it. And you you helped me out a lot too, because I know you're going to market my show. And I know Absolutely. you're going to, you're going to say, hey, everybody listen to me on, and, and that's what some of my other guests have done Absolutely. and it gives you the listens. And for me, it's great. But I also think that we learned if you're an entrepreneur, that the, the, the nuggets that you gave out tonight is what makes you a better entrepreneur. So th- thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure for uh, having you on the show. And I cannot wait to have you on the show again. I can't wait to actually see you and, and, and actually maybe have a real conversation uh, about some of these awesome, you know, uh, awesome potential business ideas that you have. And I, I promise one day I will actually do one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, Ray. I appreciate you having me on, man. I'm so glad that you're doing this podcast. That's what it's all about. If people don't know, man, podcasting is the new thing, buddy. It's been out forever, but media is taking over and there's ability for all of us to have a voice and say whatever you're passionate about, man. So hats off to you, Ray, for uh, taking the initiative to get out there, starting a show and doing these things because it is a lot of work for those who don't understand what goes into building these podcasts and stuff like that. Absolutely. A lot of work, time and energy, man, and you have to have a love for it. Anything you love, you're going to be successful in it. That's how I always go at everything. Let me love it first and then figure out how to monetize it second. And that's Just it. go that way, man, and you'll roll for sure. Hafiz, thank you so oh, <laughs> Gary George. <laughs> I, right. I, it took me, brother, it took me two, two hours and eight minutes to not say that. But I always mess up the show somewhere along the lines. My friend, thank you so much. I really appreciate Word. it. And I will talk to you again. Yeah. Don't hang up because I want to say goodbye to you. Have a go. Everybody, thank All you right. for listening to the Ray Agliata show. I really appreciate it and have a blessed night. I'll talk to you guys later.